0: hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink.
1: Christmas time is here. I'm in the wrong key. Christmas time is. is here.
2: There you go. Beautiful. Oh, so beautiful um how was belize i just am jumping truly into this i believed you'd never ask oh my i can't belize you just fucking did that i know it's unbelievable right oh so (laughs) did blaze make it back or did he stay there (laughs)
1: Oh, who's blaze? Oh, Oh, right. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot Did you replace him with a jaguar? Yeah, I left him in the jaguar jungle. We're all
2: dying to know about the jaguars. I know.
1: I have some things to say. Say them. So, Blu's was amazing. Um, I did start the trip off weirdly. I brought, like, a bunch of bags of donations because they do this, like, pack for a purpose thing where you can bring for like the local schools and animal shelters oh, and cool. stuff. So I packed an entire of my like away suitcase <laughs> of like, uh, just donations and dog bones and treats. And I walked in and they were like, what the hell? I just brought like milk bone in bulk, <laughs> <laughs> like Costco sized milk bones. Um, but otherwise it was great. The place we stayed at was amazing. Um, very like low key and local and like not super resorty, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And oh, it was just so cool. Um, we did,
2: indeed go on a jaguar hike at night um so does that it it sounds currently like you just hiked in the middle of the night and hoped you would run into a jaguar by yourself correct what yeah it was i was hoping you'd be like no 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 that would be (laughs) not smart uh i'm saying yes 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 that would
1: be not smart is what i'm saying so what happened yes so we were on this jaguar hike and You know, it's one thing to say, oh, we're going to go to a jaguar preserve at night. It's another thing um, when it's pitch black and you're in the middle of the jungle in the least populated country in Central America, wandering through a, uh, a jungle preserve. Your tour guide has literally holding out his umbrella like a weapon and teaching us what to do in the event that we run into a Jaguar and you're that now- you
2: asked to walk into that. By the way. that I totally, s- I
1: didn't ask. I fucking threw myself into it without even, <laughs> you were like, yes, here's my money. It was about <clears throat> 14 seconds in when I realized I don't
2: want to see a Jaguar. Um, <laughs> and do they warn you? Like there's no, like, do they warn you that you're paying money to see a live Jaguar and they can't promise you won't get hurt? Absolutely not. But is it implied? Oh,
1: do they warn you? No. Should they?
2: Yes. Okay. Do they
1: tell you in the midst of the tour how absolutely terribly dangerous it would be in the event that a jaguar appeared? They do do that. And oh my it is God. too late to do anything. So I am walking through this jungle, and it's very dark and very frightening. And it's only four. It was Blaze, me, an older couple, um, and. This tour guide, who's, by the way, I'm going to tell you all about him. He was our tour guide. His name was Ems. E-M-S. <laughs> like more of me. Yeah. Like multiple me's. So I had an Ems there. And, oh, good. And he was great. Um, and he, we're walking through there, and he's telling us how Jaguars can be 160 pounds, um, how they are always watching when people enter the forest
2: oh it's like they see you before you see them. yes he says
1: they're in they they're hunting at night so they they see you they know you're in there so they
2: pick the time when they're hunting to take you out then there's also
1: a day hike but i didn't want to do the safe one god forbid christine god forbid and so i'm on this fucking jaguar hike he's telling us all about these like fucking dangerous animals that and he says well you know they will attack but groups of a couple people probably they won't and i'm like Uh Not going to ask the probability. Don't want to (laughs) know.
2: And what size group are we talking (laughs) about here?
1: So he goes, so we need to stay in a pack. And then we're walking and walking. And he goes, so what you do is you look for eyes. Like, because we had (gasps) headlamps on. Okay. And we're looking for eyes. So first thing we see, at one point, Blaze just fucking like gasps and jumps. And I'm like, we're all going to die. Oh, my
2: God. If Blaze is freaked out, we're all fucked. Yeah,
1: it's bad. So we look over. It's this massive tarantula. So basically, this is a spider hike. There were... We saw thousands of spiders <gasps> everywhere. And they have glowing eyes, the wolf spiders. Well, he said,
2: look for us. Glowing
1: fucking wolf spiders everywhere. Um, and then this fucking giant tarantula. We saw monkeys and turtles and shit. And so it was really cool. But the whole time I'm like, we're going to die. We're going to die. And then he's showing somebody um, a spider or something. And Blaze and I are looking around because we're like on edge. There's right. these fucking eyes. And they're on the path. And they're like couple feet off the ground and they're just walking past and I go and Blaze and I I just we looked at each other and we're like, Ems, there's we just saw eyes. And like I'm thinking he's gonna go, Okay, we'll stay together No, he fucking turns around, he gets his umbrella up, like this big ass <laughs> umbrella and he's like, Stay right behind me, don't move, like stay close and I'm like, What the fuck? So he walks over and he's like checking the mud for prints and he's like, Oh, I think it was just a rodent and I'm like okay and blaze and i were like i guess that's could be what it is um a rodent is is this the princess bride <laughs> you ruined my joke no! we know each other too well <laughs> at least we're on the same page so jaguars of
2: unusual size he's
1: like yes yeah. so he's like well it's it's probably a rodent called the royal rat and we're like what the fuck oh my god it's called a gibnut a gibnut yeah and i guess it's a large rat so I'm like, okay. So he calmed us down. He's like, it was just a nut, They walk around their nocturnal and
2: jaguars eat them. Oh, good. Yeah. So, so if you see a nut walking by and then you don't see his eyes in 10 feet. Yes. A jaguar ate him. You're in trouble. <laughs> and it you're is, next. And you're next.
1: <laughs> so we're like, okay. Well, it wasn't until today that I was like, I should probably look one of those up. That is not what we saw because that thing is like this big. Uh-huh. It's like half a foot. It's like a foot tall. So he max. was like just trying to calm you guys yeah, down. Yeah, I think so. But you were within proximity of a jaguar. I don't know that it was a jaguar, but it was definitely not a rat. It was very much larger. And so we were like, you know what? Whatever. Move on. And then it wasn't until afterwards where we said, hey, Ems, what would have happened if we did see a jaguar? And he goes, oh, well, you need to stand very still. Put your arms up very large. I would have opened the umbrella and we would have had to stay there and, like, have a standoff. And we're like, why didn't you tell
2: us this before the fucking tour? Like, can you imagine Ems, like having dinner and then he's like all right honey off to work like who knows if i'm gonna make it back or not
1: really and he actually said the, the scariest thing that ever happened to him on any tour was that um he was with a mother and her teenage son and a jaguar growled from like the <laughs> darkness and he's like it growled and he's like it's one thing to hear about it but to like experience it and he's like i've never been so scared in my whole life and he says he thinks what happened is they kind of interfered in like a mother child jaguar like
3: mm. being defensive
1: of Oh, they I were, see. They were like in in its space, but he because they probably wouldn't have growled if it was trying to eat them. Right, um, but he said it was probably the scariest thing that because you couldn't see it, but it was like right there. Anyway, so I did not catch a jaguar because I would have probably been eaten first.
2: Oh my gosh!
1: But so I was going to say that <laughs> I felt like I was in the Princess Bride, but I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad you got that. Um, I also learned a lot of things. I learned um, that I can stand up on a paddleboard for Good one for one eighth of a second before plummeting into the depths of the ocean. So that didn't last well. Let's see what Could else. Can Blaze stand up? Uh, Blaze did not try.
2: Oh, why were you on a paddleboard by yourself? <laughs>
1: because Blaze didn't want to do it with me. He was on a kayak next to me. Oh, okay. He goes, I need to be here in case I need to rescue you, which, failed Oh,
2: rescue. Here, grab the paddle, Christine. <laughs> fair point.
1: <laughs> and then I learned that Blaze uh, burns so easily that he loses his ability to function for 24 hours. And didn't sleep for two nights because the sunburn was so bad that we Aww. almost had to go to the doctor. But we did not. I learned that I will never tire of pina coladas. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot about Mayan ruins. Uh, we went snorkeling. We saw sea turtles, a nurse shark, stingrays, went through climbing through a cave. Uh, and that's a lot of cool stuff. I just want to list off because I didn't want to get into everything.
2: I mean, between sea turtles and sunburns, I don't know how it could get better.
1: <laughs> and pina coladas, don't forget that. All oh, right, right, right. Who could? But I did bring you some souvenirs, obviously. You did?
2: wow what a shocker <laughs> i thought you were just bringing me your stories wait those are my souvenirs is that why you brought the blanket up no i'm just cold oh <laughs> i was actually gonna say can i borrow the blanket but then i didn't know if that was covering something
1: no it's a heated blanket i mean you can borrow it if it's you it's okay i don't i can share it i'm more interested in the presents okay good so there's a variety of things <clears throat> i didn't really know what you know order. i love a variety i didn't know what order to give them should i close my eyes nah Because I'm going to give you a little description first. So, first. Now, this one is something that I've always liked, but I've never gotten one from an actual country where they make them. Um, And this is just a little thing for when we're touring or beforehand. Okay. Um, They're Mayan
2: worry dolls. And do you know how these work? I don't know how they work, but I know about them. Okay. I've, I've seen these many times. Essentially,
1: they're meant to take your worries, and I believe you place them under your pillow before. You know, and you kind of place your worries on them, and they're meant to take your anxieties and Aww. worries away. And I've I've bought them, like, in the U.S., but it's kind of cool to buy them from, like, yeah, like locally authentic. made. Yeah. Aww. So they're little Mayan Look designs. At little hands. I know. They're
2: super cute. Oh,
1: so they're I Mayan designed. So for, for touring.
2: Yeah. Heck Yeah. Um, I said heck because I was, like, afraid to, like, curse in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> they look very maternal. I'm sure they... Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to offend the, the mama There's worry so dolls. There's so
1: many of them.
2: Okay, great. Thank you for this. Now, obviously,
1: I didn't want to make you, So, here's the thing. What's happening? I was a little disappointed. Uh, me? No. Oh. At the entire Nation of Belize.
3: Oh. they did Me not, too, then.
1: Yeah, they did not sell shirts with my hashtag, Christine Gets
2: Belized. I mean... It was probably just run out. Everyone's, you know what? Everyone's just buying them left and right. You're right. I forget. like hot cakes. They You're sell. Right. Yep. I, I forgive them. So instead,
1: I had to go a different pun route. Ah, okay. I went. Okay. So first, this one says, "You better believe it." That's <laughs> 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 so stupid. Um, also, I remember we had this conversation where you had once mentioned, "Don't say it." don't say it check me out shut the fuck the up the shirt well, no they didn't have it ah, damn. that's why i bought you that one and i remembered <laughs> check me out from and then i when you had mentioned that when we first became friends and i said i own that shirt yeah but i had like donated it or something from the czech republic but since i was in belize i was like well i get belize puns but i couldn't just do
2: one belize pun so i also got this oh my god what is this oh it's a hat you know i love a good hat Unbelievable! Yeah, there's oh another... Oh, my goodness. Op- I can't... Can I wear them at the same time and still look cool? You can only wear them only at the same time. Only one way to find out. You can only wear... Th- you cannot
1: wear them separately. <laughs> now, um, this one... Okay, so this actually, courtesy of M's... I mean, it's not from M's, is but... It <laughs> <laughs> is it a jaguar? Is it a gibnut? <laughs> it's M's dead body after he's eaten. Oh! No, that uh, makes
3: it- is it an
2: umbrella? It's With his a big umbrella! claw scratch Just it? Just in
1: case. Um, so... Em's told us a story on one of our many tours, and he told us a story. He said, I want to tell you about the hottest woman in Belize. Oh, my goodness. Tell me more.
2: It's you, Christine. It's you. It's It's, always been you. I
1: knew it was me. (laughs) Um, And her name is Marie Sharp. Oh, so there's like she. She She is the hottest woman in Belize because this is Em's favorite joke. She makes hot sauce. Oh, my God. So I don't know if you even eat eat hot sauce. I have no idea. I love hot sauce. Okay, good. Because this is Belizean hot sauce, and it oh is made God. by the famous Marie Sharp, a.k.a. The Hottest Woman in Belize. And so I oh wanted to make gosh. Allison a little jealous, and I got you a gift from The Hottest Woman in Belize.
2: Listen. Here you go. I can't wait to tell her all about this.
1: And then ultimately,
2: this I just... This is awesome. Can I, got, I taste it now? Sure. It's... uh Did I ever tell you... It's I, very good. You know how I went through a phase... Where I was like really invested in learning all about tea. Yes. I also went through a phase of learning all about hot sauce, oh. and I actually had an app on my phone where I was learning about different types of peppers, really, and them on, and their Scoville scales and all that. Although the Scoville scales, in my opinion, a myth. But
1: well, this one um, actually is actually got so famous that it's sold in the U.S. Ooh,
2: this smells like Tabasco a little bit it's sold in the, Probably US, the m- most insulting thing i could say about it.
1: but it's sold under a different name because they wanted to americanize it so the american name is texas heat oh but um i don't know i didn't get a super spicy one because i really didn't know if you
2: hate hot sauce no i love hot sauce um i'm not like i'm not like a like a giant risk taker but no like i oh it's got like an actual flavor to it habanero Oh, I could drink this. This is very good.
1: And then finally, I got you a More? shirt. I got you a shirt that I thought you'd like in addition to all the stupid punny ones. I just got you a shirt that I was like, oh, I think I might like this like heathered look.
2: Oh, you know I love a good heathered shirt. Christine. Wait, let me get that sticker off it. Oh, I won't look at it. Well, I don't know what it is. Is it? Did you? Well, is it has gone to fell off. Oh. thought you got me a size too big or something and you were like, I don't think do so. I think this is how you look.
1: I Aww. think this is how you look. <laughs> I think you're a... Bigger than normal. I only went to Belize to make you feel bad about your sizing. <laughs>
2: you look different since I've come back. You've plumped up. Aww. Anyway, so I, just, I like it. You're right. This is exactly a shirt I would wear.
1: I figured it was better than the uh, the weird punny ones that I just forced upon you. So
2: I mean, I'll wear them all. So all at the same time. You're hopefully. really you're really good at shopping for me. Oh well, you know I mean, it was I mean,
1: definitely limited. Uh, limited op- opportunities. It's not. I mean, a huge truly, hot
2: sauce is like actually like one of those gifts that like I'll always like. Oh, I should have really gotten more out with the hot sauce. I didn't know. Well, one of my favorite places is the hot sauce store in the Grove. Oh my god, I had no idea. I love going there. Shit. Well, next time. Remember, I told you one of my like dreams is to end up on Hot Ones. That interview. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And he sells his own stuff now, and so I've been looking to try Whoa. to find. I truly don't think we'll be famous until we're on Hot Ones, or at least me. Yeah. Because I would kill to try to eat all of those wings with him. You'd be good at that show. I, was, I should just, I it. almost texted Allison to be like, does Emmy Hot Sauce? And I
3: just
1: didn't. Well, I hope you like that one. There's Yeah. No, there's it tastes really good. There's a bunch good. of other ones. So next time I go to Belize, <laughs> I'll get those for you. Oh, good. I can't wait. <laughs> but that's from the hottest woman in Belize, not me. So.
2: Oh, well, only one. It's, listen. Anyway. I've got the hottest girl in the world in one hand. Yep. And then I've got, like, a dozen little worry maids in my other hand. And they're all going to take care of you. I've got a baker's dozen of ladies amongst me now. That's That's
1: right. Watch out, Allison. (laughs) Um, So how did you fare? How did everything? Did you miss me or were you just so happy that I was off (laughs) off your back
2: for a week? (laughs) No, I had a good time. Eva and I had a play date, a little powwow. And uh, we actually went to the Starbucks that we interviewed her at. That is... So it was a full circle. <gasps> that is so precious. And um, yeah, we sat there for five hours. Holy crap. Yeah. Did you just
1: bitch about me the whole time?
2: The entire time. <laughs> and then a little bit on the phone when we left. <laughs> You're like, I forgot some things I wanted to <laughs> it's mention. like, oh, and another thing. Her name's actually Megan. She just <laughs> pretends it's not. Um, no, I, uh, I've i actually been really um, preoccupied with moving in. Right. And so that was kind of 50% of what I've been doing all week just running to the store left and right but then also this was my first time that I was in charge of everything on the back end of the podcast because usually Christine when I say she's the brains of the operation I'm not kidding I was just like deuces she was like figure it out (laughs) out. (laughs) it was very much like when my mom like put me in Boston for an hour and then was like okay find me in Connecticut and then she got on a train (laughs) and left and I was like how do I find my way to Connecticut I mean I did not have any
1: fears that you would be able to
2: no, I, I was more nervous than I needed to be because I just usually Christine's so good at doing everything. And I, I know that she like has a way, like a I don't certain, think I, it's, in my mind, you have a relationship with certain people. I think and, like, it's
1: just that I, it's not even that I'm good at anything. It's just that like, I've just been doing it because we had such different schedules and stuff. And so it's just gotten to such a routine that it's just been me doing it. It's just part of the yeah, routine. I you
2: know? think I was afraid that I wasn't going to come off as professional as you in a lot of the emails you just know how to word things properly and i'm like i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> no you're fu- oh my god no but that is it went really one.
2: well i felt i felt it was a nice little power kick to my ego yeah i showed up and i was like great back back on everything back back on, on handled <laughs> nothing nothing caught fire as no. far as i know and if, and if it, it did you didn't tell me so i love it if it did i'll just blame eva it's yeah, fine yeah, yeah it's yeah, fine yeah, that's yeah. what she's there for that's what we do
1: anyway Um, And also, we have a bunch of new shows that, like, I didn't even know about until I got here and was like, okay, cool, I'm flying to Salt Lake again. I don't know. We're doing all sorts of crazy shit. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff. So look at our – it's and that's where you drink.com slash live. Um, It's pretty much up to date now. And if you follow our Instagram, atwwd podcast, that's where we announce them first with the links. So check there. Um, But, yeah, we're coming to a lot of cities, and I'm so pumped to be truly going everywhere yeah vancouver oh yeah we announced canada i know how do
2: you feel i you listen <laughs> i the the second we i found out we were going to vancouver <laughs> which by the way was a long time it was a ago long time do ago. you know how hard it was yep. for me to not say something to everyone that, i guess and then people kept saying like writing into our dms like come to canada like, and I was why like, don't you love canada and you were like i just I was like don't you it. pull that on me don't you think you i'm do not that loyal thing i do where i wink slowly Oh, I would have just
1: been blanking for my entire life, it's nonstop. <laughs> well, um, people kept commenting, like, "Oh my god!" I'm freaking out right now, and I'm like, "Yo, we knew about this. Like, this is not like
2: <laughs> I freaked out months Surprise! ago. <laughs> I'm
1: like, this is not like we don't know about it and then post it on Instagram. It's like we have been hiding this. Hiding yeah, we're it. hiding. We're full of
2: secrets all of a sudden. To be fair, we're
1: hiding many shows from you. So we, you never know what we're thinking. We don't want
2: to do it, but we got to do it. So keep your eye out." um and also i have requested that i uh wear a canadian flag as a cape on stage lol okay so we'll be do they have the same rules about what you can do with the flag probably not that the u.s has i mean i think if i'm wearing it as a cape it's the most respectful oh, sign absolutely. i can just don't like drop especially it. as an american <laughs> Right, know? right right i'm like i don't need an american flag <laughs> fair fair yeah it'll be fucking great yeah
1: i'm pretty stoked i met oh i forgot to tell you i met several canadians
2: in <laughs> belize apparently they Weird. all about it were all the people from belize and canada did um, they just swap? they just switched yeah i guess so wow i, I mean, didn't it know that it
1: was that season cold up there so it makes sense they're migrating but i will say <laughs> uh i felt a little bit like i was being like i was part of the truman show because really both canadian men that i met oh brought maple syrup
2: <clears throat> no like literally that's the most stereotypical I canadian know! i've ever that's what i'm of. saying
1: i felt like a, a, a staff writer, like, was out, was out sick, and so they hired some, like, person off the street to write it's a like, okay, script be of... be
2: Canadian, and he just pulls my a vial time. of syrup out. Well, I
1: just kind of felt like someone was writing a script of, like, what would happen if Christine met two Canadians, and we were at In the jungle. In a fucking jungle, <laughs> and I swear to God, this guy, like, fucking pulled out a thing of maple syrup. Like, out of his sleeve? He like a- had it. And then the one guy brought it in his luggage, like several, and gave it to the staff. And they were like, w- like for to put on that his is- food. I
2: was oh. like, what is this? I thought you meant as a tip. I was like, that's the sign no, of... No, it
1: was like to cook with because he was like, I didn't trust that they had good maple syrup and then another guy like kind of yelled at a server not yelled canadian yelled was like a little so
2: cried and apologized at all,
1: rude to the server like what's in this maple syrup and she was like i don't oh, know like, really like foodies about it like a local and he's like well you know i'm from canada where we make syrup and she was like
2: okay Aww. like and he's like let
1: me tell you about it and she was like clearly had to work and he's like so what we do is we tap the tree and i was like this can't be real this, this cannot be real this is the most
2: can i think that's
1: the most like canadian thing i've ever heard it was wild M. and i went through a cave i went through the mayan underworld is what they the Mayans believed that this cave was like an entrance into the underworld went through the mayan underworld with a canadian and i felt like this is a weird cool it, to me thing. in the apocalypse is what it yeah, was yeah yeah <laughs> i was like em would really appreciate this <clears throat> yeah except the parts where i had to climb like a 30 foot rock wall
2: also something i will never do oh it was really cool but there. If Allison and I got married and she said, I need my honeymoon to be us climbing up a 30-foot wall or <laughs> we're not going to get married at all, I'd be like, see ya. <laughs> Great. I have uh, 12 Mayan
1: doll ladies ready. Like, don't worry.
2: I have a hat that's says unbelievable. I think I'm taken care of.
1: <laughs> the hottest lady in Belize will be right there <laughs> waiting for me. At the bottom of the rock. <laughs> okay.
2: We've talked quite a bit. Uh, don't I'm... you
1: miss the good old days where we did this constantly?
2: Guys, we have gone back to our old ways because we used to talk for hours. And hours and hours before we recorded, yeah. And then we got into this groove between traveling and yep. seeing each other every single other day, right? We never had anything to catch up on, right? And I haven't seen Christine in like a whole 10 days. Like, what are we gonna do? We've oh, we... we're gonna tour for four months and then hate each other again, <laughs> good. But we haven't, I don't even think we've been, we weren't even speaking though, like it wasn't even like, yeah, we were texting. No... Christine didn't have internet, it so was very crazy. It, I. I missed this feeling. I know. I, I missed you a lot. I, Aww, I haven't been in like a scenario where I one haven't been able to talk to you, yeah. and two haven't seen you for more than like. I mean, it's I'm used to like speaking to you every couple hours. Yeah, or something. Like, so to go ten right. ten days, I'm like, if oh, something I have like occurs so to, to me, say. I can just tell you. Whereas, yeah, I'd be like, I can't tell. I mean, we miss so. we missed so much. We missed our half birthdays. That's right. Yeah. Oh, how sad. The first thing I texted Christine was. <laughs>
1: I landed in Atlanta and I was like, happy half birthday. And I was like, shit, I missed yours. It was yesterday. Uh, it's okay. Next I'm a little year.
2: peeved that nobody else wished us happy half birthday. Oh, I mentioned it on Twitter. Don't worry. Oh, thank God. They got to
1: talk to. Thank God. Anyway. Moving on. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy thanks to Bark. Every month they deliver
0: toys and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. At Bark, they send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's their fun plush toys from BarkBox or their ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, they give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, they'll double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com drink. That's right, you can sign up now at BarkBox.com drink for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: Here, after what seems like an era of speaking about nothing <laughs> about a true primer uh, Um, I will tell you a story now. Great. Can't wait. Is, is that how I should start I it? I think that's how we usually... It's the most natural way. I will start a story now. Yeah, I will start it now. Um, okay. Well, I will say, um, this is very much a book report. Love book reports. A la we M. Schultz. are
1: going back in the day.
2: We really are. So this isn't... I don't know... I always try to preface it and then not don't really know where I'm going with it. Uh-huh. Very Michael Scott of I hope I just find the words along the Fantastic. way. Fantastic. So I'm just gonna say I watched this documentary about the devil oh! and then liked it so much I'm just gonna report about that. So like a, not a book report, but like a, like a, like a movie movie report.
3: report.
2: (laughs) So like a book report, like I'm basically going to narrate the whole documentary to you so you don't have to watch it. So So, here's my dramatic reading play by play.
1: Got it. Basically like a book report of like Gone with the Wind where actually you just went and watched the movie and then pretended you read the book. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. it.
2: So this is the, the, it's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, a winner. A winner. So it's a green splat. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's called um, the Devil and Father Amort. Father Amort. Okay, It's spelled like Amorth. Okay, okay. Um, But Amort in Italian.
1: So and father, right?
2: And. And. Ampersand. Ampersand. Yeah, the devil is not inside of him. They are amongst each other. Oh, good. Yes. Um, so this is super interesting because, um... This was directed by the same person who directed um, The Exorcist. Oh, shit. Okay. And basically, he was the director of The Exorcist, um, but he had never actually witnessed an exorcism. So obviously, he was like the perfect candidate for the director spot of The Exorcist. LOL. Um, but he's so, like, no, my vision is... He's like, no, like, I
1: have a feeling. I just have a vision of how it's supposed to go.
2: Well, so he, um, he wrote, filmed, shot... And narrated this. This was just like a one-person crew. Okay. This whole movie. Oh shit. Okay. Um, Hence the forty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's rude. I'm so, sorry.
2: and basically, this was the documentary where he, since he had never witnessed an exorcism before, this is him witnessing a real exorcism. Oh, shut up. Okay. So, it's still interesting, regardless of the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so exorcisms. Fun facts. And this truly is a play-by-play of the movie. I, you can between this and a vulture interview mm-hmm. um you can get all of this information so if you were to watch this movie and be like oh yeah this is eerily accurate to the telling of and that's why we drink i see it's because as i was watching this i was taking notes got it so in like total chronology this is like cool play by play but i did think this was a fun fact that he started out on that exorcisms in italy which is where this movie took place mm-hmm. um Five hundred thousand Italians every year get exercise. <laughs> what isn't that bananas? What the fuck? That's they like need to calm down. That's like Californians like taking a well, like herb supplements or something. Like what the fuck? So wait, what about herbs? What are you talking about? Like how off? Like I'm trying to think of like a percentage of like Californians or like I don't know people doing something.
1: Oh, that's millions. No, oh
2: right okay right. sorry that's, about,
1: that's why you we were confused about kale in california we're all screwed um what about like colonics i don't know <laughs> sure okay that that might be more like it um colonics so, and exorcisms
2: yes Got yes it.
1: they're the same ratio uh, the ratio is equal
2: yes yes okay. so the person being exorcised in this movie her name is christina <laughs> um although i think in real life her name's rosa because in different interviews she was rosa, and that's the name christina. of my guardian angel remember oh great so between the two of you you're both being exercised Fanta- in this movie. i mean you know it seems like everyone in italy is anyway so <laughs> can't complain um so she is 46 and she is said to be possessed by the devil oh good and the exorcist is father amort um he is the exorcist for the diocese of rome and has been for 31 years he is the exorcist the exorcist wow i didn't know that though they like had the, the vatican exorcist i didn't know that was a thing he has already exercised Christina eight times. Oh, come on. So this movie is the viewing of him exercising her for a ninth time. I mean, they need to replace him if he's not getting the job done. I mean, apparently that's actually like... Oh. Like, trust me, there's a whole history to this. Did I hit his, like, sore spot there? No, you just hit a bullet point that I'm going to get to. Oops. You stole my Princess Bride joke, so I'm going to (laughs) steal this weird fun fact about exorcism. So the Exorcist movie came from a screenplay. Oh, this is also a fun fact, but I wanted to bring it up. It's just a large fun fact. It's a large fun fact. There's a lot to unpack here. Not a kid's size. The Exorcist movie Mm -hmm. um, actually came from a screenplay written by a guy named William Blatty. Okay. And he, William Blatty, wrote the script for The Exorcist when he was at Georgetown in the 70s, and he was in class and heard um, the case of an actual exorcism that happened up in Maryland. Okay.
1: I didn't know that. Did your phone just ring? No, I thought a cat meowed. What the
2: hell? That was weird. Okay, this is already freaking me out. I don't (laughs) like it. So, um, okay, so he wrote the screenplay while he was in Georgetown because he was, like, inspired by the story he heard of in Maryland of an actual exorcism that happened, and that actual exorcism that he had been learning about in class was the exorcism in 1949 of Roland Doe slash Robert Mannheim, which I've covered before. Yeah, I remember. Um, so if you want to go listen to us talk about Roland Doe, aka the inspiration for The Exorcist, you can travel back to episode 23. Okay. And you can also hear me drooling and blacking out because that is the episode of Allison's first appearance. Oh, for God's sakes. And... Everyone has made a lot of comments about how they could tell that I had just met her, and... Yeah, that comment was me, because I had to edit (laughs) six hours of footage.
1: Aww. Never forgive you two for that.
2: It's okay. It's okay. But if you want to listen to me, like, shamelessly, like, ogling Christine's college roommate, and talk about the inspiration of The Exorcist, who knew you could do both? (laughs) But I can. Only on
1: this show do we offer
2: double (laughs) entertainment. So, um, yeah, so... William Blotty wrote the screenplay after hearing about that story. And when he was writing the script, he actually was able to track down the original exorcist in Rolando's case. Wow. And his name was Father William Bowder. Okay. And Father Bowder and other priests who worked with the family vowed confidentiality on the case. So Bowder was not actually allowed to say much when he was being interviewed for this story. Um, and this is a quote from the documentary I just saw. Because the guy that wrote the screenplay for Exorcist was interviewed. Okay. And he said, oh, I was trying to, I was looking at all of my information and I was able to track down the original priest for that case that inspired me. And so he tried to interview the priest, but the priest was like, there's all this confidentiality. I can't mm, talk about okay. it. Okay. And Father Bowder told the guy that wrote the screenplay, and this is a quote, one thing I can tell you, that case was the real thing. I had no doubt about it then and I have no doubt about it now. Shit. So... Since 1949, this has been going on. Okay, as far as we know, it's probably been since the beginning of time. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe. Um, that was uh, yeah. So fun fact, large fun fact, large fun fact. So before meeting with Amort and Christina, um, I'm just gonna start calling him William, but he's the guy that directed The Exorcist and is now making this movie. Okay, there was like several Williams, so I, I felt like I had to say a lot of last names in that. But this is the only William we're going to hear about from now Okay, okay. So his name was um, William Friedkin. So wait, is he the same one who did the... Yeah, he's the one that du- uh, directed The Exorcist, but... Oh, but so... another guy named William wrote the screenplay? Yeah. Oh, two Williams. okay, I got it, got it. One directed, one wrote the screenplay. So this is the one who directed it. Yes. Okay. So the one who directed The Exorcist, his name was William Friedkin. hmm And he also is narrating and doing everything for this movie. Okay. So before meeting with Amort and Christina... William interviewed a brother and sister duo named Paolo and Nadia. Okay. They had actually been exercised in the past by Amort. And it happened 10 years ago when Nadia was in church. And during mass, she had a, quote, demonic attack. Oh, dear. Where she showed several signs of possession. And the brother and sister, Nadia and Paolo, are being interviewed at different times. But they're kind of cutting in. And, like, you hear both of their interviews separately. So you hear, like, his side of it, and then you hear her side of it. Got it, got it, got it. So. They're, like, spliced? Yeah. Okay. But this is, like, this is a combination of their stories. Got so, it, got it. So, during mass, she had a demonic attack and showed signs of possession, including guttural screaming, mm. convulsions, I don't know what this means, but slithering on the floor. Um, she was able to fight off several grown men. She spoke a strange language, and her stomach was so swollen, it looked like it was going to burst. Oh, my and God. And then her brother said, quote, her body began to transform into something that was not human. Ugh. So Paulo took his sister to a mort, and after eight months of exorcism, she was what liberated. Do you know what year that was? Um,
1: probably in the nineties. Okay, okay. So like recently. Yeah, it wasn't like
2: either the late nineties or early two thousands. Damn. Yeah. I wish someone had had a flip phone camera. I want to <laughs> see proof of this slithering. Well, apparently um, someone called the cops because she was screaming so loud and acting so weird. Yeah, I would have called the cops, too. (laughs) Um, So he brought his sister to Amort to be exercised. And Father Amort said, since you're in the room with me while I'm exercising her, for like the last eight months this has been going on, but in this experience where she was actually free from the devil... Mm Father Amort thought, oh, the spirit might have left her body and gone into yours since you're in here. So how about I exercise you too? <laughs> so he one. got a quick 15 minute exorcism and that apparently is so weird, like, I guess just like a checkup to make sure that like, there was no devil inside of him. Oh God. And so when he was cleared, Father Amort said to him, compared to what I usually deal with, you're bursting with health. So instead of bursting with a demonic in your stomach or whatever yes, was happening to it. her. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Bursting with health. Bursting with health. Cool. So, Paolo actually was so grateful to him for saving her, his sister that he became friends with uh, Father Amor and actually became his assistant during other exorcisms. Oh. He also started, I guess, paying more attention to other people to see if they were possessed oh, so that he great. could bring them in. Oh, okay. Okay. This is starting to sound a little cultish. So, well, apparently anytime Father Amor thought that somebody might have, like, show signs like that extreme in church, he would have them meet with him just to check in. And so, Paulo said that he was actually the one who found Christina and thought she might be possessed because she was screaming and squirming in pain in a church service during Eucharist. So, she just, like, out of nowhere just started reacting. these people need to see a doctor. You get there. Okay, Okay. Okay. Um, so... This is alarming. She, apparently during Eucharist, she was, like, screaming in pain and just, like, fell to the ground and started squirming around. So... That was the first group of people that he interviewed uh, before he actually witnessed the exorcism. Oh, I see. So the way that they actually met William and Father Amort is that William has known of him um, as the Vatican exorcist. And he's also known as the exorcist for the Diocese of Rome. And he's founded the International Association of Exorcists. (laughs) So he's well known in the world of exorcism. Yeah, he's highfalutin. And he... Uh, William found out that Amort actually enjoyed The Exorcist because he said that that movie helped people understand his work. And so when William went to Rome, um, he actually contacted a mutual friend to see if they could meet. And when they met, they, like, really connected, and he asked if he could interview Father Amort. And during the interview, he asked if he would be able to witness an exorcism, which has never been granted before, unless you're immediate family.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But he, like, just gave it a shot hashtag one in rome um, <laughs> did you write that in your notes yep <laughs> even better <laughs> um so Amort said that he wasn't sure he had to like think about it and like go to i guess talk to the rest of the church but i guess because he had like this like hierarchy of like he worked on the exorcist and had some notoriety they, oh like, william yeah yeah so father amort was like let me think about it i'm not sure and then later a couple days later William got an email that said, On May first, Father and will be will be doing an exorcism at three PM in the afternoon and you're invited to come. Jeez. And so he went even further and pushed the limit even further and said, Can I film mm-hmm. it? I was seeing that hashtag win in Rome again. <laughs> and the email said, You can film it, but I'm telling you I'm not in favor of this. No crew, no lights. So basically he was allowed to come if he did not like stage it.
3: Like, like or just, like,
2: don't disturb the process. So, like I like, got it, got it, got it. Like, you can come with one camera f- with yourself, but, like, if you get in the way of an exorcism, like, we don't want you here. Okay. So, in May 2016 was the exorcism, the ninth exorcism of Christina. Okay. And there's some footage of her beforehand, and in interviews, like, really quick, like, on-the-fly interviews that William had with her... She looked really healthy and normal and responsive and did not look possessed at all. And so the whole time I was watching this, I was like, this girl's not possessed. Right. And she says that she was in denial for a long time that she was possessed, but eventually asked for help. Um, she said that doctors were not able to help her. And she thinks it's because she has a spiritual disease and oh her my. symptoms show most and most violently on dates related to Jesus, so like Palm Sunday, Easter, Christmas. Okay. She, so she says that she has gone to doctor's. Um, but they weren't Instead able to do anything. I'm sick on Palm Sunday. <laughs> cough, what? cough, it's Christmas. What are you doing? Okay. So, Father Amort explained in a separate interview that demonic assaults, because in my mind, I was like, okay, well, she doesn't look possessed because she's not, like, constantly, she doesn't look like a possessed person. Not slithering. Right, right. So, Father Amort actually does, like, break down, like, the barriers really well and explains, like, what an exorcism actually looks like and okay. what possession actually looks like. And he says that demonic assaults are not like how you see it in the movies. They're internal assaults. They don't, you don't look like you're like scratched up and, you know, changing before like someone's very eyes turning. 180. Yeah, okay. yeah. You just, it's more like it's happening inside of you and you can like, it's not as crystal clear visually. Okay. And also when you hear like a demonic assault or a demonic attack, you think like, oh, all of a sudden someone got scratched or burned or someone got hurt. Totally. But it's like an assault from within. Like a spiritual assault. Spiritual assault. But then what about that? girl paula who is like or nadia sorry who, who is like squirming around on the ground on and, and screaming and yeah they were saying that she was like transforming but i don't know if that was like she was just bending weird i'm not really sure but so that's very physical yeah i think it happens from within though like something's pushing her arms around i don't i'm not really sure
1: but you're saying so it doesn't have
2: to be that way it doesn't have to sometimes be that, way. that way okay it's like it's not as black and white as it usually is okay. in movies so it can be just internally yeah, it can be, like, your body, like, looking, like, being in weird positions and stuff like that, but it's not always a guarantee. I think usually the stigma is, like, oh, well, if you're not, like... Screaming like, in Latin or something. hanging upside down on the ceiling, yeah. then you're not in
1: trouble. Right, right, right. But well, that surprised me that he liked The Exorcist, then, because I feel like that's the exact
2: message of The Exorcist. Yeah, well, he said that he did not like it for, um, how... Oh. For its realism. <laughs> he said that it... Okay, good. <laughs> he said, like, it's not accurate, but at least people knew what an exorcist it brought was. brought attention to the... Okay. Yeah his field, um, for lack of his a better field. term. field, yeah, for his industry. <laughs> it boosts the ratings of his, of his market. The visibility, you know. Um, so he said that the demonic assaults are usually internal assaults. They don't always happen physically. And they also only ever happen when provoked, like in an exorcism. But um, in movies where it looks like people are just being possessed nonstop, that happens very, very rarely. Sometimes if you're not being provoked in a religious setting... Um, a demonic assault will happen, but go weeks or months in between one another. Okay. So you could have a demonic assault and then in like 10 months have another one, but ha- it'd be latent and you wouldn't know about it. Right. Um Otherwise. And he, he said, even rarer than that, do they happen on their own on a constant basis where you are nothing but entirely possessed? And he said that's only happened like one or two times in his whole career since the 50s. Oh, wow. Okay. A.K.A. he's basically saying that possession is a stereo the what we think is a stereotype. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic that William is the one learning this in the documentary because he's actually the one that created the stereotype because it, totally he, he cre- and there was a whole part in his vulture interview where he said that where he was like, I'm very aware that like like he tried to show footage of the exorcism later to psychiatrists and they were trying to debunk it and they're like, well, it doesn't have any of the classical symptoms of possession oh and he showed the he which... showed psychiatrists later like i'll explain the exorcism oh i thought you meant the movie the exorcist no 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 no. Oh, the footage like... that he got from this exorcism, <laughs> got, it, got, it, got it got it got it he shows psychiatrists that footage and they're like well it's not really a possession it doesn't look like there are any classical symptoms and he was like well what classical symptoms would it take for uh... you to believe and they were like you know like levitating and head spinning and then he had to look them in the eyes and be like, I'm the one that created that. Wait, like, psychiatrists believe that you can levitate and headspin? They're saying, yeah, that was like one of their like things of like, it doesn't look like a possession. She could just be growling. Like, like, give me something extreme to tell me that there's nothing medical about this. And oh, I see. I thought you were saying,
1: okay, okay, okay. I get it. I'm sorry. Very yeah, fine. They
2: were like, they were like, this doesn't look like- Debunking it because it wasn't, I got It's gotta, like, it. this isn't a possession. There's no classic symptoms. I Like see. there's, this doesn't look like a textbook- possession okay and um i thought you were saying they're gonna diagnose it if she was levitating no i, no, like, no. I don't think they really they were saying that. like look at okay. her she doesn't look like she's possessed i mean like go look at a movie she's not possessed sure and then he was like i'm the one that created that. that movie like the reason <laughs> you have that stigma and you're calling that a textbook possession is because i put that image in your brain got it so he wrote he talked about that in his interview that's really interesting though yeah so he was like i feel bad because people aren't taking this seriously because of the stereotype sure. i created sure sure so it's very interesting that he's learning what an exorcism is after creating a classic what movie about think an, exorcism. an exorcism. Is right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So I think he feels a little guilt that right, he right. like
1: ruined the uh, idea for I'm everyone. I'm sure his bank account does not feel any guilt. So I'm right. sure. I'm sure he's okay. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be just fine.
2: So um, he also, uh, Father Amort also explains that although the assaults on Christina are only happening when provoked, that doesn't mean that she's not under like constant like stress psychologically. Oh. Because, like, the exorcism takes such a toll on her when they sure. do them that she's trying to recover nonstop, so she's always tired. Mm. So even if it doesn't look like someone is possessed, they're still probably really weak. Okay. So um, William asks Father Amort in the initial interview, have you ever seen Satan? And uh, Father Amort, this is a quote from, I think, the one of the interviews. Not from the documentary. I think this is from, like, mm-hmm. one of the interviews that I read. Um, Father Amort responds to that of have you ever seen Satan by saying Satan is just a pure spirit. He often appears as something else to mislead you. He's appeared to people as Jesus and he's appeared to people as raging animals. And the ritual of exorcism is not practiced by an ordinary priest. You have to go through a lot of training. And his prayers often cause his prayers as the exorcist often cause a violent response in the victim. And so people need to be prepared for that. Oh my god. And also like you don't know what you're gonna see because he could show up as anyone. That, so basically Satan is a shapeshifter. That kind of gave me
1: some chills that I was not expecting that he <laughs> appears as Jesus. That really freaked me I mean me like
2: out. if you can appear as Jesus you can appear as anything. That's really frightening to yeah. me. Yeah. Like even if you see Jesus how do you know if you're safe? It's really yeah it's like really the ultimate. And he came to a like a high up priest as Jesus too. So like even oh, that gives me like really big creepy chills. So um, he was also asked like do they seek mental help before they ever come to you and uh father amort has a very specific and like very like outlined um strict set of rules of like all the uh, the amount of medicine and psychiatry someone has to go through before their last case scenario is him
1: and yet five hundred thousand people are being exercised
2: yeah not not through him but like Mm. if you want to be exercised by the vatican exorcist Mm -hmm. like then you have to go through quite a series of things to be approved okay Um, And he said, out of 100 people who seek my help, one or two maybe are possessed. I was
1: going to say, I bet you it's not very common.
2: No, I think 500,000 are getting an exorcism when
1: maybe like five of them need it. (laughs) Okay, okay, got
2: it, got it, got it. Um, So then,
1: I mean, you're going to get into why she needed it so many times.
2: Yeah. Okay. And here it is. Because as with traditional therapy, the stigma is that one exorcism means one long-winded experience until the devil is gone. Right. But since it is a version of mental help and spiritual help, it is seen to him as a therapy. And so it isn't just one one experience or one event. The patient usually isn't, quote, cured until after several sessions. I see. So there was, he says that the longest exorcism series he ever had to do was on a man for over 16 years. Huh?
3: So, what?
2: Yeah. Um, so he says that it's, uh, it's not uncommon for an exorcism to last up to a year with like, you go like once a week or once a month and you just keep going until it's done. Mm. Um, but apparently the first are always worse and then it slowly gets better and better. And then eventually it's, how do you know, but nothing's attached to you anymore. Um, cause when he, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but when he starts, um, saying certain things parts of the bible i don't Mm. i'm totally gonna butcher it because i'm not very religious but there's certain things that he's supposed to say in his rituals Mm -hmm. and apparently in like the code of exorcism if someone is reacting to these certain things then that's how you know that they're affected i see okay he does i think i wrote it down somewhere so there's Um, like trigger phrases or like verses there's trigger phrases that like if there is a demon within you they can't they can't hold back from reacting to it okay um and so he'll usually say like in his like like, if he's starting out with someone, he will test those words immediately or those phrases immediately to see if they reacted on. If they don't, he usually just says, okay, well, you're not possessed. You just need help elsewhere. Sure. Okay. So only 20 minutes into the movie, they jump into it really quick. They film his, the actual exorcism. Oh my. And it's you, very- and you get to see it? Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to show you a bit too. Oh boy. It was very jarring to watch this because this whole thing really unpacked my, like, stereotype of what i imagined an exorcism was right but i mean it's happening in a random office room in daylight like it's like not <laughs> i imagine it in, like it's some... already sounds off yeah i always imagined it in like some dark bedroom a when bedroom it's, like, like thunderstorms outside and nobody can get in because the whole place looks like, like it's in disrepair the crucifixes and... are turning on the yeah. wall yeah it was literally like going into like a doctor's office and you're just sitting in an office wow and it's daylight like the windows are wide open right very weird but it actually kind of makes sense because from that email that william got Mm. being approved to come in um the email did say that they're doing a an exorcism at 3 p.m which is the the witching hour every 12 hours at 3 i thought it was at 3 a.m it's if you 12 hours doesn't matter no if it's three it's three p.m too yeah but it's just because it's 3 a.m. It's spookier and scarier and the moon's out. That
1: explains why I'm always
2: awake at 3 p.m. <laughs> it always makes sense. Holy shit. My stepmom always said if it's 3 o'clock, it's just the witching hour. Fantastic. Great. So every- now there's two of them. <laughs> Didn't fucking know that bullshit. So at 3 p.m. though, it makes sense that even if it's like daylight and shit, it's still the day witching the hour. The most provoking time. And so Christina is sitting in a red chair and her family and her priests are all around her chanting and praying. Uh, Her family and her priests. And during this is this is what I thought was kind of adorable, because keep in mind, Father i at this point is in his 90s. Oh, shit. And he's like, he's been doing this for a long time. And he's still kind of like goofy and funny about it. Like, he's just done so many like exorcisms. He's like, why not laugh it through? And which is like quite a job to just laugh at. Jesus. But apparently in every... It's his tradition that in the opening prayer of a possession, he'll stick his thumb on his nose and wiggle his fingers like he's making fun of the demon inside of the body. Uh, To, like, provoke it. Okay. So he, like, does this like as, like, a... Haha, I'm gonna get ya. Jesus Christ. Okay, so... As I'm whispering (laughs)
1: Jesus over and over again, I'm (laughs) sure this is really great.
2: So this is where it gets... It gets weird, like... Pretty quickly, like, like within shocking. like Shocker. ten minutes. Okay, so um, after everyone starts praying, Amor puts his hand on her head, on Christina's head, and begins to try to cast the devil out. in a bunch of, I, I can't, I can't understand because it's in Italian, and they really did only translate like basic parts of it. Okay, because they're definitely talking longer than it would take to read the subtitles. Oh, so I see what you're saying. I don't know what was being said except the the subtitle, right? Because you're watching it happen, right? Okay, so he's trying to cast the devil out and. Um, Other priests are praying nearby, and she, like, quickly falls into a trance where she begins bobbing her head. Oh, God. um, And she's bobbing it more and more aggressively. Kind of, like, think, like, you're listening to, like, metal and trying to find a rhythm. You're like... "Um, You know me. (laughs) I know you listening to metal. And (laughs) And can't find the rhythm. That sounds about right. (laughs) uh, One of those things are true. Which one is it? Um, Both. So... And I also, at this point, thought I heard a buzzing in the movie, but I, like, kind of thought that I was just thinking things up. And then later, I actually read it in an interview when they were describing it. They were oh. like, you can hear a buzzing at this point. And I was like, oh, yeah. You heard that. I heard it, and it, I was not... They didn't mention it at all, but, like, I thought I heard... Like, it sounded like a like a horde of, fr- of flies. Right. So, I thought that was kind of cool. That, that is weird. That's creepy. Um, When he said when he oh when he said leave leave her in the name of the father son and the holy spirit she starts screaming stop it and begins flailing and people have to hold her down um they don't have to hold her down for too long which kind of freaked me out that she was like going in and out of these demonic attacks and people didn't feel the need to hold her down oh god but she did constantly bob her head and i guess that was how they knew she like wasn't herself so she constantly bobbed her head and she just started screaming every now and then And a couple minutes in, she begins screaming, and the voice actually sounds distorted. Uh, I don't enjoy that. And it was a, like, and it was distorted in a way where, like, even, it was so gradual that I kind of noticed it, and I was like, that's, there's no way that, did that happen? And then in my mind, obviously, I'm thinking, like, okay, like, they manipulated this in post or whatever, Mm. but they, he did record himself showing someone the lot, like, walking out of that room, going into another room, and showing a psychiatrist this footage and like you can hear it on the camera that the voice is happening. Okay. So, but you said it was subtle.
1: Like, couldn't she have just because like, it, get, well, it gets well because it gets it gets
2: worse. Oh. So originally I was like maybe that was just a lower pitch. Maybe she's just trying to like growl. And it's definitely getting worse and worse. And then at this point I started because it was happening really fast. and I didn't want to keep pausing to type notes. So I'm just typing as I'm watching this. So mm-hmm. This is my my jerk reaction as I'm typing. So I'm just going to read whatever I was writing. I wrote super creepy. Voice is getting deeper. Definitely happening. People have to hold her down again. She's fighting off three to four men. Uh, She begins screaming. She belongs to us. Send the priest away. I can't stand it. She belongs to me. Voice distorted the whole time. She's saying, I am Satan. Stop this. Uh, I can hear growling and screaming. It's becoming more distorted. Fighting off five men now. Um, when Amort said, get out, Christina distortedly screams never several times while trying to fight off men. And then I wrote, okay, the screams are for sure demonic now. Ah! (laughs) And then, uh, then I wrote, she's really trying to fight them off. She doesn't look how I imagined. She's not smiling or laughing. She just looks like she has a bad stomach ache. And then, um. Oh, like smiling, like demonically. I thought she would be doing something creepy, creepy, but she just looked like she was in pain. Okay. And then these were actual quotes so when they tried to hold her down a voice from deep within her screamed don't touch her don't ever touch her um then she says oh and then he says i command you to leave her and she screams i am satan and then he says how many are there and she says we are legion we are armies oh fuck no and then i wrote in caps lock absolutely not her voice anymore and then um seriously yeah and then he said, when are you going to leave? And she said, never. She is mine. She belongs to me. And then when Father Amort said, set her free, my response was absolute demon screams. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Um, Do you want to hear some of it? I don't
1: know. I guess. We probably can't play it on the show. No, right? we can't. But this is for you to give a reaction.
2: Yeah, I didn't love that. Yeah, no, it's pretty it's pretty wild and so now you know what i'm saying but like the voice like just it was kind of subtle at first and then by the end it's like yeah, it's That's definitely, definitely not her voice
1: it's definitely um hmm. it sounds kind of like low like multiple people screaming
2: yeah it sounds like everyone's screaming in unison or something yeah it's very weird but um but yeah so it's super creepy yeah i don't like i wouldn't watch that alone but so then now that you know like what that looked like then he literally so then father Amort just taps her on the forehead and she just comes back oh <laughs> like she's totally fine and Party then trick. he literally says <laughs> he literally says like do you need anything to drink how are you doing like just like let's take a break like call five let me get a sprite yeah and so he was like are you doing okay uh, thanks priest and then that was and that was the end of her ninth exorcism it just didn't work so it just didn't work like it like she wasn't liberated. Like she oh, has I to see. go back now for a tenth one, and so. Oh, you're saying?
1: Oh, I see. So that was just like, okay, pause. We'll come, we'll come back to this, basically.
2: Yeah, I see. Which okay. is weird because I always thought an exorcism was like you do it until you do it until you don't have to. Well, anymore. that's why when you said the eight month, when I thought you meant like for eight months, she's laying so in too. a bed. I was like, holy. When I, when I first uh watched it and it said it, it took her eight months, I was like, oh my god, did they just have like nuns around the clock? Like, well, because
1: that happened in one of your stories, and I remember it yeah. being kind of like child abuse because they yeah. were just chaining her to a bed, and I was. Like this is more true crime than anything, but yeah. I guess it's different
2: if they're not actually like, yeah, keeping her hostage for that long. Well, so anyway, so they just called it quits. So the whole exorcism lasted like fifteen minutes, and then and then they said, okay, we'll try again later. And so Amort actually tells her, you see him do this, but you tell her, you tell Amort, telling Chris you see him, but Jesus Christ. You see a more telling me, wait. Christina. Let me tap you on the forehead real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you see a more telling Christina what she did while she was like in her trance, and she just laughs it off. <laughs> she- <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's like a, oh my it's god like, you wouldn't
1: believe how it's like when it's people like to, talk about, when you're drunk like yeah. how drunk you are you
2: blacked out and
1: you fell on the
2: sidewalk did you know that you started screaming about satan oh my
1: god it's like the legions were screaming inside <laughs> you it was so wild you're so embarrassing but you're I, so
2: funny and then you snapchatted your ex oh my god can Whoops. you believe it which is worse who knows <laughs> so the day after the uh, the day of the exorcism fun fact was also um Amort's 91st birthday. Oh, happy birthday to and you! And so, right after the exorcism, everyone is just, like, happily singing happy birthday to him in the room, and, like, give him a cake. And then you hear, like, happy birthday... No! She's just, like, hanging out with everyone. It's, like It's so weird, you can just, like, turn it off and on, apparently. Well,
1: Em showed me the video, and, uh, this... Christina's boyfriend is just chilling next to her. Like, <laughs> I know. Like, restraining her while the demons scream. Can you imagine dating
2: someone that's uh, a <sighs> Well, I was possessed? saying to
1: Em, it's either, like, whether it's A, demonic possession for real, B uh she's faking it see mental illness like it doesn't look good like no matter nothing what, nothing's good no matter what it's there's trouble there's a what. problem happening here yes for the relationship i would imagine
2: <laughs> i mean i would at least be like a little nervous if it's demonic possession i'd be nervous that i would like to sleep next to her yeah yeah um, at the end of the session, the family asks Amor to bless her father and her mother, and Christina immediately starts screaming demonically again. Especially when her mother's getting blessed, Ugh. and her boyfriend had to hold her down the whole time. Which Aye. you just paraphrased all that, so thank Ooh, you. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, this was the most violent and angry she got during the entire day during the blessings. During the blessings. How crazy? How creepy? It's also. I imagine it's like almost like playing on like you know like a mother's love, like if something's happening to your oh, mom. Yeah. Plus, hearing like religious things that like you can't hear, or else your like body will reject it spiritually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I was if also it's thinking like
1: I don't know if this is how it works, but like if you're thinking like parasitically, like how it would it would find other hosts or something, right. and maybe like it's preventing the closest people to her right. from being ho- open hosts. I don't know.
2: That's probably it. I've decided. You know. <laughs> so after the exorcism, William showed the footage to some of the truly the world's leading neurosurgeons researchers and psychiatrists many of them were editors of the dsm-4 and the dsm-5 really the head of the columbia school of psychiatry and the head of the new york psychiatric psychiatric association damn um so he showed all of them the footage um and their best guesses where they admit that they were best guesses are agitated delirium or a tumor I, oh. in her brain well i see i have to be fair though it has to be a best guess because they're Right, Scientist. They
1: can't be like, oh, yes, here is a diagnosis without it's actually meeting
2: It's a demon. Her. It's a demon Well, but sure. I'm saying
1: they can't say, oh, it's schizophrenia. Like, right, they right. have to say it's a guess because right. they can't diagnose her from there.
2: Well, they, they went through, like, every sort of disorder they could imagine. And they're like, none of them would come with that voice, first of all. Mm-hmm. And none of them would come with the, um, they picked agitated delirium because of how much she was moving around and squirming sure. and trying to fight off people. So, I they had no explanation. And they even said... Best case scenario, this was from the psychiatrist at Columbia. Best case scenario, or best guess, best, I guess, estimate of what this could be. She fits into the pattern of what is called dissociative trance and possession disorder. Oh. Which... I was actually going to ask you if that's a thing, because I imagine it would... It's basically like, I think it just kind of, it's a placeholder for, we don't know what this is yet, but in the future we might, but it currently looks like what a pathology for possession would be. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what I was wondering if that was an actual... Dialogue. That was that was their best guess. Interesting, okay. So they even say, like, she is currently expressing a pathology that in today's world we understand as possession, but that's because we don't know more. Got it, okay. One day in the future, it may not... Well, they'll there laugh at us that we thought it was possession. An it, explanation or right. something. Right, okay. So as for the voice, everyone was freaked out and had no explanation across the board um it couldn't even be like just you're screaming so much that you're like i mean maybe if they, if he took I it's like, like a vocal coach if i was so
1: hysterical i could probably get that sound low. fucking like raspy and crazy i don't i mean i don't know I, don't, I also don't know what her voice sounds like normally Which she said it was pretty high pitched, right i don't know so who knows i mean i'm not the person to
2: well after the exorcism christina agreed to meet with william again to check in before like as like an update i don't know if i'd want to meet
1: one-on-one i'd be like yeah not after what i saw well
2: apparently she was having more and more demonic assaults and they were showing up even in just scheduling for this meeting can you imagine being like i can't make it i have a demonic assault
3: (laughs) Uh,
2: but not at 3 p.m
1: you know i'm busy at that time
2: (laughs) she apparently kept changing the date time location multiple times not sounding like herself and at times where she did she wouldn't remember that they had talked at all
1: oh so it was like fucking with her like i don't want to be
2: yeah oh creepy so she would get really excited that she was going to see them and then like a couple minutes later call them really angrily saying she wanted nothing to do with them and wanted to cancel the plans and then that night she would apologize and say she had just forgotten the time oh just trying to make an excuse without really knowing what happened oh that's so creepy um um, Amort also believed that Christina's brother and the brother's girlfriend were part of a demonic cult, so they might have cursed her, and that might be what caused this. Wait, but wait, that... sorry, sorry. As Amort know, believes as... what? Apparently, one of his guesses of, like, how she got afflicted uh-huh. is that there might be a curse if someone she's related to is playing with but black did... magic. And right. so she, he thought, apparently there were rumors in town that her brother might have joined a cult or something. And oh. so they think maybe if he did join a cult, he... I was thinking was Paolo her. and Nadia, the oh, like, no, no, no. brother, and I was like, I called that. <laughs> nope, I was wrong. <laughs> so it, apparently, when he, she was trying to meet up with them, uh, it took six to seven times for her to finally uh, say she was coming, and she asked for another location change. She said she wanted to meet in front of the park, in front of a 12th century basilica. I was going to say in the catacombs of the, <laughs> in the basement. Um, <laughs> and that's creepy, though. She, a basilica, okay. She wanted to meet in the park out front. Mm hmm. And she never showed up, so William called her, and she answered, where are you? And oh, my God. She said, he said, I'm in the park. And she said, well, I'm where I told you I would be. I'm in the church in the town square, which Ooh. was a totally different location, and she had never said that, so apparently it's still playing mind games. Um, so do you think that one was her, or do you think that one was another? I don't know. Okay. Some, whoever he last spoke to was the opposite Talking of English. who was Okay. calling her now. Cool. So he was like, okay, I'll drive to that church. And so he drove to that church... And he didn't bring his camera this time. I guess he forgot it in the car. I don't really remember what happened. But he forgot the camera. So he was just going to go check in on her and just give an update later on the documentary. But so he gets into the church and nobody's there. And outside, it was at least 110 to 120 degrees. But the church was freezing cold and the door locked behind him. (laughs) Um, He heard demonic screaming and he saw Christina sliding uh, off the chair and onto the floor. And Christina's boyfriend trying to hold her down so that she wouldn't, like, get up or try to, like, run away. Mm -hmm. And then the boyfriend apparently looked and sounded differently than he did the last time that they saw each other. So it, like, made your idea of it parasitically moving into another body Uh is something that was considered an interview. So he
1: just happened to forget his camera the one time that, uh, the door locks and she's slithering
2: on. Right. right, right. Interesting. I'm, I'm just saying, just saying being um, devil's
1: advocate for lack of a better term.
2: Ha ha. Har har. So he started screaming, saying he wanted the film and that nobody should ever see it. And then the brother did the brother was, or the boyfriend. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Christina's demon inside was saying, I want it to be shown. I want everyone to know about me. Oh, um,
3: they, okay. The boyfriend
2: then started saying, "Give us the film, or we'll kill you." Okay. And he started acting like he was possessed too. And William just ran out. Just found another door and just ran out.
1: I was going to say he should get his iPhone out, but I guess it's probably <laughs> a little alarming.
2: Yeah, I imagine if someone was saying, "We'll kill you," I don't care if you're possessed or not. I just don't I'm want like, to be hold a part on. Of let it. me get out of portrait mode. I want to. Well, apparently, she uh, Christina was scheduled for her tenth exorcism, but uh, Father Amort actually passed away oh. from pneumonia. Um, and was no longer able to obviously be there. But before he passed, he told his assistant, Paulo, he couldn't wait to get to heaven so he could beat the devil with his cane. (gasps) And apparently he might actually be doing that because another clergyman took over and performed Christina's 10th exorcism. And when the clergyman called upon the spirit of Father Amort for help, Christina started to growl and scream, don't, don't call him, I can't stand it oh my god so in the interview um there were just some quick answers that i got from vulture where someone i guess the interviewer asked william that inhuman wail that we all heard was that truly the sound of her voice and he said obviously he said yes i would not fuck around with that and then try to sell this movie and then he was asked what was it like being in that room and william said absolutely terrifying And when the interviewer said, "But everyone else seems so calm," yes, that's what I was wondering. um, William said, "This was their ninth time." Okay, fair. I didn't think of that because they are just—they're just like hail mary full. Like they're just like, (laughs) like there she goes, floundering on the on the (laughs) chair again. (laughs) Fucking routine. All right. So anyway, that is a very long-winded version of the devil and father. Oh, it's so spooky or bullshit. I mean, but I mean, it's the Vatican exorcist. If you're going to witness any exorcist performing a ceremony like that's the one to watch i mean yeah yeah
1: i just yeah you're right but even if it's phony or like exact like it's so
2: creepy (laughs) it's almost a defense mechanism where i'm calling it bullshit because i just don't want to believe it it's
1: very creepy like no matter what even if it's even if she if if it is mental illness which like to be quite frank like it could be i kind of that's where i lean but um just that's creepy too like screaming the devil's inside me like whether it's real fake mental illness very creepy to watch i don't yeah i don't i don't know i don't think i could watch it alone
2: <laughs> did well, you watch did. it alone yeah
1: Ugh. i also watched it at 3 a.m <laughs> where was allison in bed. oh but you were not like alone in the house no okay i mean like i wouldn't like oh you couldn't like be alone i would need home? someone in case you know
2: i mean i just Lucifer researched appeared. so much shit about ghosts i just never it doesn't
1: <sighs> yeah mean anything
2: anymore yeah all right All right. Ready for terrible things in the other direction? Yeah, I'm about to therapeutically doodle while you... (laughs) Fantastic, fantastic. If
0: thinking about salsa in a variety of delicious flavors and heat levels makes your mouth water, you need to check out Green Mountain Gringo. And make sure to turn the jar around and take a look at its clean backside, a list of its all natural ingredients. Of course, that's what I meant, of course. And all their products are preservative free too. With the medium salsa, you get hearty chunks of tomatoes, tomatillos, peppers, and onions in every scoop. I'm reading the ad and my mouth is watering. uh anyway the hot salsa brings flavorful heat to every meal with each bite containing jalapenos serrano peppers and other savory herbs plus they've got a hot sauce with a tangy spicy flavor that enhances the simplest of meals it's perfect for avocado egg toast or tacos i sort of feel like they're reading my mind because i put salsa on almost everything but specifically i use their salsa i use usually the medium salsa and then uh, also the hot sauce on my avocado egg toast and i don't know how the script knew that. Maybe everybody eats this, but I always make toast with avocado and then I put scrambled eggs on top and I put salsa. I can't eat it without salsa. And the Green Mountain Gringo is always there for me in the fridge because it really adds to, I mean, any meal if you're me, but definitely the egg's avocado toast situation. Visit GreenMountainGringo.com and start shopping. Use the store locator to find Green Mountain Gringo products, get inspiration for recipes, and purchase products using promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off. That's promo code PODCAST24. And don't forget to check out their backside. .com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code drink at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code drink at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com
1: today. So, um I in honor of uh my honeymoon and honeymooners everywhere. Yeah. I am going to talk about uh Murder on a honeymoon. (gasps) Okay, go. Death. This is the death of Tina Watson.
2: Tina Watson. Okay.
1: So I originally heard about this on a case file episode ages ago, and it stuck with me. I didn't remember the name or like who they were, but I Googled like honeymoon death or something case and it came up. Um, But it's a great episode. Very thorough. Uh, So I ended up doing my own research and watching a Dateline episode and it's just crazy. So, this is the story of Tina Watson, Um, her full name, Christina. Oh, we're both doing Christina's Ooh. today. Christina May Tina Thomas was born in West Germany on February 13th, 1977. Um, she was relocated to the U.S. while a baby and was legally adopted by Tommy and Cindy Thomas. Tommy Thomas. Just isn't that. Tommy Thomas and Cindy Thomas in January of 1980. So... She and her family lived in Birmingham, Alabama, which is where my Uncle Wally and Aunt Angelica live,
2: who you met at the wedding. Love Uncle Wally. I know.
1: Uncle Wally and his bow ties. Em and Uncle Wally connected. Uncle Wally and I (laughs)
2: really bonded over ties at Christine's wedding. I (laughs) dug
3: that guy so much. He has,
1: like, the most Alabama, Southern drawl, and he married my extremely German Austrian-German aunt and, like... They both moved to Alabama. It's quite a love Very story. Weird. He
2: really does seem like, also as someone who is LGBT, he sounds like a, a man that you want to not be near. Well, like, as
1: someone LGBT, meaning you, not him, right?
2: Yeah, as okay. me. But like, no, I like, usually when I hear a Southern drawl, I get nervous because yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, should I steer clear of this right, one? Right. He was the most warm, accepting man. And he gave me a big hug and he was like, I am so proud of you for being, you know, who you are and yeah. being proud of it. And I was like, oh. He's such a
1: loving man. He was, he's the guy, I tell him this, but I love it. So growing up, I always called him Uncle Wally because he's like my dad's business associate and friend. Yeah. And my dad, and he were very close. So I always called him Uncle Wally. And then he met my aunt at my dad's wedding. And they kind of had a couple, not really, well, they did, but they had a couple (laughs) like misconnections, like. You know, they, like, kind of met, and then she lived, obviously, in Europe. and Right. So over time, and then they finally got together, and then they got married, and now he's my real Uncle Wally. So oh. I just love that he actually became my Uncle Wally. Vision board. <laughs> <laughs> at age three, I vision boarded <laughs> Um. Anyway, so Birmingham, Alabama. Shout out. Um, so Tina went to the University of Alabama at Birmingham, where she met David Gabriel, a.k.a. Gabe Watson, and they began dating in January of 2001. And quick fun fact that's not so fun, Tina had actually been diagnosed with something called, oh man, I meant to ask Blaze how to pronounce this, but I'm going to guess. Okay. Paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia. Mm. So let's hope that's right. Okay. Otherwise known as PSVT, which is a type of short circuit arrhythmia um, that's sometimes so like a heart condition. Right. That's sometimes accompanied by episodes of palpitations, feeling lightheaded, sweating, shortness of breath, and chest pain. So just side note for future reference that this is something she was diagnosed with. Got it. So she and Gabe, Tina and Gabe, got married October eleventh, two 2003. It's a beautiful romantic wedding. They showed some of the footage in the Dateline episode. They just look like so cute and happy, very romantic. Um, And then like 10 days after um, the wedding, they left on their honeymoon. So Gabe himself was a qualified, certified rescue diver who had already completed 55 dives in his life, so scuba diving. Wow. Um, and despite Tina's known discomfort of water and open water and anything kind of, like, adventurous like that, um, and her, despite her hesitation and the hesitation of her parents, Gabe talked Tina into taking diving lessons in January of 2003, so before the wedding, and mm-hmm. then she got her certification just before the wedding. Oh, cool. So 11 days after the wedding, they leave for their honeymoon, um, and they had planned a scuba trip in the Great Barrier Reef, so in Australia, and they flew to Sydney for a week before heading to Townsville, and they chose to dive at this uh, shipwreck called the SS Yongala, which was a passenger ship that sank in 1911, killing all 122 people oh aboard, my God. and it wasn't found for a long time, and people weren't able to see it for a, like, a really long time, and then when they actually went and discovered it or like found it under on the ocean floor it was yeah. just like this ghost amazing town. discovery you know because <laughs> it was like a time capsule basically yeah so like australia's titanic i think they called it um and so it's now a what's very... it called the Yungala Yungala Yongala, yeah and so um i guess it's a popular dive site now because it's just such a cool thing to be able to go down and like explore as a scuba diver um But it's also an extremely difficult dive because the currents are really heavy there. Or strong, I don't know. Currents are heavy. I don't know. Uh, Obviously, I'm not a diver. Oh, I thought you were
2: an expert about waves and currents. I'm a
1: snorkeler, which means I float around and look at turtles.
2: I'm a doggy paddler, so (laughs) we've all got our thing. We've all got
1: it. Um, So, yeah, it's a very difficult dive, um, but they wanted to do it. It was a really popular spot to dive. Um, And although she only had... She actually had no open ocean diving experience, like sea, that kind of experience in that open water like that. And um, she had never dived below nine meters. Uh, They decided to do it anyway and went forward with it. And the dive company itself offered an orientation and a guided dive with a dive master. And they refused that. And they said, no, we we don't need it. We can do it. Mm. So to her credit, Tina's best friend and maid of honor at her wedding, Amanda, was confused as to why Tina had chosen to go diving for her honeymoon. Um, so were her friends and family. They were like, this seems kind of weird. Like they said she wanted probably to go to Europe or like the Caribbean or like enjoy right. not being under the ocean, I guess is what they thought. Um, but they also knew that while they were dating, uh, Gabe had told Tina that if they were going to be together, he, she needed to pick up some of his hobbies. okay like diving and fishing great and if she didn't do that they wouldn't grow be able to grow together as a couple
2: oh that's a fun little ultimatum fun fun risky
1: little game risky little game fun question i wonder how many of her hobbies he picked up probably zero probably so her family and friends were like what the hell are they doing on this honeymoon but and like this is not the type of person she is but you know what she always reassured them listen Gabe's a certified rescue diver we have nothing to worry about like I'm certified now too um and we'll be fine and they were like okay I mean she's trying a new thing whatever so let her do her her thing let her do it so they left um and they're at the Great Barrier Reef they're aboard this ship with 25 people on it and it's basically this ship goes out for like a week and you do these dives and like live on the ship so it's called the Spoil Sport, which is a fun little name um, and that's um, what I
2: call geo a little
1: spoil <laughs> he sport. Is. He's spoiled indeed. Um, although he's not a spoiled sport, who, like who ruins the fun.
2: Well, sometimes he does too. When he we do- this- to do ads and he starts barking. You're right. Accurate. So among the guests
1: on the ship were two American couples who had been diving together for 25 years. Wow. So it's kind of cute. They were like the older couples on the ship. And, um, when Tina and Gabe came, Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I punched myself in the face. Woo! <laughs> wow when tina and gabe uh got on board um they immediately the older couples immediately took to them and were like oh they're you know this they're 26 years old or at least tina's 26 he might have been a little older i'm not sure but she's 26 like they're young couple newly married on their honeymoon and so they kind of took them under their wing and they were like uh, they had kids the same age so they bonded um and they connected and they were all from the u.s so they all Mm. connected on the ship um, and obviously Tina, they loved her. She was sweet. She was friendly, like very down to earth and, you know, just a fun, like a, a light to be around. So they were sort of adopted into this group and, uh, wh- like when the dive got started, so they spent the night on the ship. Finally, they make it out to this dive site. The dive master briefs the guests on visibility currents. They go over safety procedures. Like it's a very regimented cause you know, it's a dangerous spot and diving's like not, to be taken lightly, I guess. Right, right, right. Um, so everyone's really amped to finally get started. And the dive is beginning. The two American couples, the experienced ones, are getting ready to go on their second dive of the day when they notice a flurry of activity on the back deck where the inflatable is, where they kind of put them. You go on like an inflatable raft and they take you out to the dive site.
3: Mm-hmm. So.
1: They see this flurry of activity, and then um, they see Gabe coming up hitting the side of the inflatable boat, saying, "Oh my God, I've lost her! I couldn't find her. I don't know where she is."
2: <gasps> oh no,
1: So they know immediately something bad is happening they another a dive boat is anchored nearby, and they see like a different ship that had come out, like mm-hmm. a different crew dive company with a different ship and different crew. Um, they see this other ship, and they see frantically someone giving CPR to a woman. And that was Tina. So the couple, so Gabe is back on their boat and Tina's on the other boat getting CPR. And, you know, obviously these, these couples are like freaking right, out right, and they're right. like, what can we do? Like, should we take you over there? What do you need? And he says, I could use a hug. What? Uh, what? And they're like, what? Like, don't you want to go over there? And he's like, no, no, I don't want to see her like that. And they're like, you don't even know if she's alive. Like, and he says, I think she just has a headache.
3: What?
2: Is he like just lying to himself so that he'll maybe he doesn't have to? Yeah, so they're like, What the like, this is just the weirdest, like, he can't handle reaction. it, so he's denying like it, like, maybe or... disassociating, right?
1: Or like denial. So he just says, I could use a hug. Uh, it, it was explained later that he was chatting with the crew on the spoil sport, he went to his cabin for a bit, and then these concerned ladies were waiting to hear news, and he said he could use a hug. Um, it was just a very odd situation. Yeah. So, the rescuer uh, about 40 minutes later came over to the boat that Gabe was on and told him that Tina unfortunately had passed away.
3: Oh, no.
1: And all the people on the spoil sport just like collapsed into each other, basically. Um, so, at the age of 26, Tina had died. And all the way across the world, unfortunately, Tina's parents were notified. And Tina's dad was out of town um, on a uh. business trip. He answered his phone. And it was Gabe's dad. Okay. He told Tina's dad that Tina had died, then handed his phone to his pastor. And so hmm? Tina's dad, Tommy, just gets this phone call from his son-in-law's father, basically, who's like, Tina has passed away. Here, talk to my pastor. And the oh. pastor's like, I want to comfort you in this time of grief or whatever. And so I guess Tommy says he just collapsed and yeah, didn't think about, just like, collapsed didn't even think how strange it was that like the police weren't contacting him but like his son's father and the pastor was gonna like it was just yeah just another very odd weird okay event that happened so finally so the thomases the thomases yeah that is their name right that's also his first name okay tommy thompson
2: (laughs) tommy thompson thomas
1: Thomas. so the thomases finally get a hold of gabe so they're calling they're trying to figure out they're trying to contact their son-in-law to be like what what's going on what happened he's hard to reach finally they get a hold of gabe um who by the way had not at all tried to contact them oh my god so uh he finally they finally got in touch with him and he told them what happened he said they were down about 40 feet when she gave him the thumbs up signal to surface that she wanted to surface um he said they were on their way up to the the surface of the water when she started sinking and when she reached up to grab his hand she knocked his mask loose so he had to fix his mask thereby like not being able to grab her and then um he saw tina sinking to the bottom faster than he could reach her her arms outstretched toward him and he had to make the decision to go up for help just
2: oh my god fucking
1: traumatizing so investigators are obviously on it right away um australian police they investigate they interview him to see what happened Um, and he tells police that his dive computer, so there's, have you heard of this? I hadn't Mm -hmm. heard of this, but it's, it's like a watch, like a smartwatch basically, but it's a dive computer and it basically tells you everything from, um, how many minutes of oxygen you have left to how many feet underwater you are. It's like extremely important because it just gives you all the stats of your survival, your survival, right. Underwater. Um, so he tells police his dive computer on the way down. Uh, only a couple feet down on their first dive starts beeping, and he looks at it and he realizes um, it's on the fritz. So he tells Tina, we gotta go back up and and figure out what's he's basically signaling like we gotta go fix my watch. right. So he gets uh, he gets back up with Tina um, and he realizes that the battery in his watch is backwards. So he puts the battery back in um, and then they go back down to their dive. He says while on the second dive, she realizes he realizes that Tina is out of her comfort zone and she wants to go back. So basically there's pretty strong currents and they're swimming against the current, trying to head back to the rope when, uh, he's trying to hold her vest and pull her up. But as they're swimming back to the group, she's kind of flailing, hits his mask and he has to let her go, but she's oh, sinking no. so fast. Um, and that he can't grab her. And, uh, he says he rocketed to the surface so fast to get help he's shocked he didn't get the bends do you know what that is Mm -mm. that's like when um you're pressurized at a certain point underwater and you you have to uh reach the surface slowly enough because if you shoot to the surface it basically like fucks up your body really you can get like you can die from it um and i don't know the full details but i do know that getting the bends is very dangerous so they teach you how to like uh, slowly surface so that your the pressure doesn't, you know, destroy you for lack of a better term. Um so he's like I'm amazed I didn't get, I didn't get the bends. I like shot back to the surface. And then he said he heard a couple minutes later they had found Tina, but within a half hour, he was told she had passed.
2: Oh, my God. So this
1: is what he's telling investigators. So the Australian medical examiner said that Tina had drowned, but was unable to see how the drowning occurred. And when they examined her equipment, they saw everything was in working order. Even her mouthpiece was still in her mouth when she was found at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. So Tina's dad, meanwhile, is in Alabama, getting no answers whatsoever when he's calling Australian police. But... He is realizing that something is up because he's asking what's going on. And they're like, well, we're looking into it. And they're being a little if discreet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, they're not telling me anything outright, but I could tell something was going on. Um, So then Tina's dad gets a call from a group of strangers that he's never met. And it happens to be the four American divers that were with Tina and Gabe on the Spoil Sport. Mm. They call and they tell him something's wrong with Gabe's story ken one of the divers and tina's dad met for coffee um and that coffee ended up lasting four hours of discussion uh and tina's dad tommy told ken he thought the thought that haunts him and his family the most is the image of tina with her arms outstretched toward grave sinking to the bottom
2: i mean that's horrible like you can literally see her horrifying knowing what's going to happen and
1: like your own daughter like reaching for yeah it's, (sighs) it's horrible And Ken said, you can rest assured because that didn't happen. Uh, And Tommy says, Uh, what are you talking (laughs) about? How do you know that? And Gabe says, well, I'm sorry, Gabe doesn't say that. Ken says, well, Gabe had told Ken that Tina had panicked and messed with her regulator, then sunk to the bottom. But Ken and Doug, who are the two men uh, in the two older couples, had Mm -hmm. 25 years of experience. And they said, this just the way that uh gabe described this when he came to the surface and he came to the surface and they were like what's going on and he's like this is what happened and i guess both of them said apparently ken literally said to gabe's face you better fix your story that that can't be what happened and Mm. like not in like a you're lying but like tell us what happened that can't you better be clear with your story that's not how this could have happened and he said there are four reasons why this couldn't have happened number one Panic divers don't lay back with their arms outstretched as of saying goodbye. If she's really flailing and panicking, mm. she's not. Okay. She's trying to get to the service. She's trying to fix her air. She's right, choking to death, whatever. But she's not slowly reaching arms out and sinking to the bottom on backwards, right. essentially. Okay. Number one. Uh, he says only dead people sink like that. Uh, okay. Number two. If she was only 10 feet beneath him, that probably takes two fin kicks to reach. When he had said she was 10 feet beneath me. Right. Number three, um, leaving Tina behind violated the number one cardinal rule of diving, which is that you never leave your buddy. Um, And in their words, it's completely unconscionable that you would ever make the decision to surface when someone...
2: Especially when you know that she is not as skilled as you and she's clearly not comfortable. Especially when she's your wife. Like, like you don't
1: leave your buddy even if they're a stranger, but this is literally his wife. Mm. Like, you'd think that would override. Right. And yeah, but so... Essentially, right. So you don't leave your buddy ever. And adding to that, it's the love of his life. So, you know, and um, remember, he's a certified rescue diver. So this isn't news to him that you don't leave your buddy. Right. Um, And this goes against all of his training. And again, this is his wife drowning in front of him. He so Gabe tells police he wasn't trained in that kind of rescue. And they tracked down his former dive instructor who said that was categorically untrue. And that's a cardinal or a principal part of their training. Finally, number four, Gabe said that Tina was too heavy for him and that he tried to grab her and carry her, but she was too heavy. So he lost her grip. And uh, Ken and Doug both said that's just not possible. In underwater, she wouldn't have been too heavy to just grab on. And Especially pull. with
2: adrenaline. Yeah.
1: Like, well, and also like underwater weight doesn't. Right. Ha- it, you can pick things up. Anyway, right, right, so right. that was a, that was a fourth thing. So the police soon came to the same conclusion, um, and this may—that it may not have been an accident. And so remember the di- the dive computer? The, yeah. So it tells you, like I said, your depth, how many minutes of air supply, etc. And guess what else? Hmm. It has a memory chip that shows the last <gasps> dives you took, and you can—it tr- tracks them,
3: and oh. you can take it out
1: and check it out. So they take his dive computer— And when they take a look, it turns out Gabe's description of the dive did not match the computer's record. When he uh, went under the first time, he said there was a malfunction and the watch started beeping and he realized it was on the fritz. But when they tested it, they realized that if the battery were backwards, like he said, the watch wouldn't even turn on, let alone beep. Like there's no Mm. way that the watch would be beeping and saying error or whatever he said. It wouldn't be on the fritz because it just wouldn't even function. It wouldn't turn on right and also he's used this thing for at least 55 dives like right put the battery in backwards it was just a strange thing and that's the first big red flag that i guess kind of sparked the rest of this investigation oh yeah so the computer did track that dive so it was it it was working and they said well if he was if it was working why would he signal to tina that they had to go back because it did show that they went 10 feet down and then went back up and then their new theory is well uh Perhaps he wanted to separate from the group because mm. if they went back up, it would just be more distance from the rest of the crew that had already gotten started. Right. Like, given them um, a farther distance. Right. Um, so then they look into the second dive, the one during which Tina had sunk to the bottom. Um, however, the watch didn't show proof of any sharp turn, any attempt to swim after Tina, mm. like he said, uh, it Interesting. also mm-hmm, contradicted his account of rocketing to the surface at a high speed. The dive recorded a leisurely ascent that took two full minutes to <gasps> go only 40 feet, which according to most divers is a snail's pace, uh, who say that a 40 foot ascent can safely made, be made in about 45 seconds to a minute. The dive instructor, even carrying her, took a minute and a half to reach the surface from 100 feet underwater, uh, while Gabe took between two and three minutes to go less than half that distance in his so-called panic.
2: Ooh, so what was going on?
1: Just slow-mo heading to the surface. Slow-mo. Slow-mo. So, obviously, red flags everywhere. Everywhere. No other diver could confirm that Gabe tried to alert them with a distress signal like he claimed. He said he was shaking divers underwater, making signals. And they interviewed, I think, like 75 divers that were in that area. Yeah. Almost everyone they could find. And they were like, no, we didn't see. Oh, He wasn't okay. trying to shake any of us. Um, nobody encountered him. At this point, Gabe decides to change his story again. And at this point, he has now shared 16 different versions of what happened. 16? <laughs> underwater. Wow. Yes, 16 variations. Um, and now they have a local investigator from Alabama on the case as well, uh, who's doing kind of like the American legwork, uh, while the Australian investigators are doing it across the I was gonna say country.
3: Oh, Not that
1: bad at geography. Across the globe. The whole globe. You know, that one. Uh, So the guy who's researching in Alabama, researching, investigating in Alabama, his name is Detective Flynn. Sounds like the name of a guy in like a one of those crime novels like detective (laughs) flynn is on the case he's had a hard past
2: i i don't hate it i used to read the um hank the detective books with a a little dog on it oh yeah that's what i thought but then i was like that can't be what yeah i remember one of the books saying on the case on the case yeah he's on the case yeah that's all that when you say on the case that's my first thought not that that like has any importance or humor at all I, so I heard it. On the Case, and I was like, yeah, Hank. I've been reading those, like, crime books where it's like, they're just kind of like the Pulp Fiction-y,
1: like, um, like the, basically like the beach read Yeah, crime books. Yeah, that's what I think of. Um, okay, dee doo da dee doo da Oh, that's new. Pretty. I learned it in Belize. Oh. Um, so, this detective in Alabama interviews Tina's family. It turns out they were not so fond of our good friend Gabe from day one. Oh. Not a good start um amanda so the friend and maid of honor she says uh tina thought that uh gabe was handsome a good guy she really liked his mom and was welcomed into his family uh but tina's parents got a bad vibe and then yep not a good sign oh or maybe depends on your parents i guess but um and then tina's dad tommy uh then tells detective flynn another interesting little tidbit what's that Emma's literally eating the hot sauce with their finger. It's really good. <laughs> Cute. Um, according to Tommy, Tina had come to him one day and told him, told her dad that Gabe had asked her to increase her life insurance policy, uh oh, to the max, which was one hundred thirty thousand dollar payout, and he wanted to change, uh, wanted her to change the beneficiary from her father to him. Mmm. So again, they're twenty six. And Tina's dad is like, what? Like, and he works in insurance, by the way, her dad. Oh, uh, so okay, he's like, it. wait, what? Like, no. And right. so he's like, not right now. You're not even married yet. Like life insurance. And he's like, I have clients who are have been married 30 years, haven't even like thought about it. And right. now my 26 year old daughter's coming to me, like my husband, my future husband, my fiance wants me to max out my insurance policy. So he basically says, she's like, no, he's like really insistent on this. And he goes, you know what? Tell Gabe, like, okay, sure. We'll do it. But like, just leave it. We'll do it after. We'll talk about it after the honeymoon. Like just get married first. And we'll talk about this later. But if he asked, he was on
2: top of it. He like knew to say no.
1: He basically was like, this is not like, we don't, there's no reason to do that right right now. Right. So he's like, yeah, tell him. And if he asks, tell him, yeah, sure. Like I'll take care of it. Okay. So she's like, okay, thanks. Um, so he's obviously kind of put off by that, but it's like, whatever. And brings us to detective Flynn's attention. And that, obviously in this case now is a very standout
2: detail so she tells i sorry i know this has nothing to do with anything i love you i just had it i just had a moment where i was like i love the shit out of her oh my god the love potion i put in that hot sauce
3: (laughs) it's working
1: i just had a moment i told you it was from the hottest one in belize and that's me it's affecting me
2: (laughs) oh i'm sorry carry on with your murder case oh i love you too it just hit me like a like a like a wave oh
1: you know what like i'm a current i don't i didn't want to talk about this on the show but like it, i was hoping maybe you could put me as your beneficiary on
2: oh yeah i have one hundred thirty thousand dollars max so i could just you know oh that's it all for you
1: okay we'll talk about it later
2: we'll talk maybe after the honeymoon after the
1: honeymoon oh wait it's after the honeymoon <laughs> <laughs> shit <laughs> okay
2: uh sorry that was just like totally jarring and, and i didn't mean to interrupt your story i love you too i um. Okay, keep going. Well, now I just want to drink water. Okay. You want some hot sauce? <laughs> um, this is very good. You really picked a good one. Oh, I'm glad
1: you liked it. Blaze and I spent a long time picking them out. Oh, these are from Blaze, too, by the way. Oh, thanks, Blaze. <laughs> okay. Um, I love you, too. I'm mean, your favorite. Bye. And I missed you a lot. I missed you, too. So during Tina's funeral,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the next bullet. This is wow.
1: horrible. I know how to time things. no. Oof, nice. You do. You felt
2: it. You felt we needed a little barrier between... Uh, oh, a thousand percent. Uh-huh. I was like, where's the comedic relief? I don't have any. Oh, How about emotional relief? How about a romantic moment?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's either comedy or romance. Those are the two things we give you on this Look, show.
2: rom-com central. That's right. As Em
1: literally You're sticks... You're the rom, I'm the com. There's saliva finger <laughs> into the hot sauce. Okay. It's my bottle. I know. You offered me some. It's All not right. Appealing. And now I see why you were not interested <laughs> Glad, glad it occurred to you at some point. Right. You want some of this with all my spit on it? I love you, but maybe not that much. <laughs> okay, so... <dee-do-da-dee-do-da>. during. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we're at her funeral. Right. Okay. During Tina's funeral, only a few months later, the drama between the two families was at a high, and the funeral director actually told Detective Flynn that in all their years of business, they'd never had a funeral with such high tension between two families oh no it was not good um so he showed so gabe literally is showing amanda picture after the funeral um he's showing amanda her best friend pictures from the uh from the honeymoon and he shows her a photo that she remembered later (gasps) Oh what i must know tina standing next to a sign that reads caution drowning (gasps) he's like look and he didn't pick up on that no, he just showed her. Like he's like, look at this picture, and she's like, "What the fuck?" And so she's like, f- so weirded out, so put off, and is like leaves his funeral and is like, "Okay, whatever." But things get just even weirder. Okay. So you could place play that off as like, okay, he didn't realize, or like, he just like thought it was weird and didn't know how to, right? Connect, like I don't know, just being socially weird. Like you, you could explain it. But the weirder thing is that the flowers at Tina's grave kept. Disappearing. What? To the point that Tina's dad literally attached the flowers to the grave with chains. Shut the fuck up. Because he's like, I can't, they won't stay. Like someone is stealing the flowers. So he attaches them with wires and chains. And then someone fucking comes and cuts them with a bolt cutter. Literally brings a bolt cutter and cuts the chains. What is going on? Okay. So this Detective Flynn guy, the star of my rom-com crime novel there I it is. decided sets up video surveillance of the grave to see what the fuck is going on and guess who's taking the flowers gabe? it's gabe and i watched this video he literally walks in with these big ass three foot long
2: like metal cutters bolt cutters yeah oh my gosh he
1: walks in with bolt cutters you see him fucking just like casually walk in Cut the fucking things. He picks the flowers up, walks away about ten feet, and then fucking hurls them to the side. (gasps) Tosses them to the side, like it's the most chilling, like pit in your stomach video. Because he just doesn't look—he doesn't look devastated and upset. He just like—he's like doesn't want anyone to like casual cool or just like. Do we find out why he was doing that later? So they did confront him. Obviously, they're like, "You can't deny this. We have video, right?" And he makes two excuses. He gives two excuses. He says one, he's still grieving for her. And they're okay. like Okay doesn't really make you sense. Throw, okay. throw the flowers on the ground, that doesn't seem very grieving. And then he says two when that didn't really fly. Two, he claims the flowers were too tacky and she would have hated them. Oh, what a saint. They're from her parents. They're her God. mom and dad are bringing flowers and he says they're too gaudy, she would have hated them. So he takes bolt cutters every time. And they kept doing this to the point that they had to chain them down. Like, that's how often this was happening. Um, So at this point, her parents are like, what the fuck is going on? And they're very mild mannered, like in the interviews. And they're like, yeah, he was just doing this. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they have every right to be furious. I mean, furious. This is horrifying. And like, so degrading. And of their own daughter, Oh, it's just so fucked up. So anyway, first, first, Amanda. Despite what happened at the funeral, Tina's friend Amanda was like pretty accepting of what happened to Tina, and was like, you know what, like she w- wasn't good underwater. Like she was, it just it makes sense that she was swept away in this current. Whatever, I believe him. But then um, she got a Christmas card. Oh, it was from Gabe, and it was a picture of Tina and Gabe at their wedding, like a wedding photo.
3: Oh
2: no!
1: And then he wrote a note and said, "Who's that sexy guy in the picture with Tina?" oh yeah that's me with a smiley face
2: this guy is b- bananas <laughs>
1: bananas this guy <laughs> is looney tunes and so at that point she's like she says in the interview i'm done like i'm out i'm done i don't know like what this like I just, have a I'm heart done. at the very least right like this is so not it's creepy it's cruel it's wrong it's just not good so she's like i'm out Uh, meanwhile this australian investigation is still going three years later so this is just like an ongoing thing um they offer to pay for gabe to come to the inquest and atina's death and testify but he just doesn't show he's like i have no interest and they're like you don't have to testify but like you can we'll still pay for you to come down and like be there when we invest you know go through the trial and he's like no i don't want to be there so he just fucking doesn't show but of course her family goes Um, and by the way, right now, I just threw this fun fact in, he's working as a bubble wrap salesman. I mean, why wouldn't he? I put that, I'm sure I put that on my second grade. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, a thousand percent. (laughs) I think we probably both did that. Um, and so there, (laughs) that's just like its own bullet. I don't
2: know. I I didn't even know that that was a job. I didn't either. But here we are. Let's quit. Let's quit. Guys, the podcast is over. We're going to become bubble
1: salespeople. We finally found the next tier in our- It's
2: our calling. Career dreams. Yeah if you donate to patreon we will give you free bubble wrap we will we won't not free no and not bubble wrap either just nothing at all just our just what we already provide our hot sauce saliva filled love i do you know how many times i've almost just swigged this while I mean, I, you can do whatever you want i've no seen, but i've been thinking it was like a drink and then i realized oh, it's hot sauce <laughs> and i'm like
1: no <laughs> oh no uh,
2: okay all so right. he's selling bubble he's wrap. selling bubble wrap he's like i don't want
1: to be there and they're like that seems heartless and cruel, but okay. Right. So her family goes instead. It's like, I've got to work. I've got a big... Right. I've got a big package of bubble wrap that selling. I've got a selling. bubble wrap convention to attend, <laughs> where all we do is test out bubble wrap, which sounds great, and I want to go there. Uh, so they are now testing Gabe's story with a reenactment. So they hire like an actor who's the same weight and proportions as uh, Tina, they hire, like, professional divers to basically reenact the scene the way that he described it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, okay. so they test it numerous times with the same conditions as, like, currents, weight distribution, equipment, etc. And it turns out Gabe's version just couldn't be replicated the way that he said really? it happened. They just couldn't do it. Um, and it couldn't have gone the way he said it did. She couldn't have landed where she did on the ocean floor 45 feet away from the ship where she would have landed if— like, they did this over and over, and every time, the diver sunk to the bottom and landed on the deck of this, like, big abandoned ship. And she had actually landed 45 feet away.
2: Wow. So there's really, like, he's for sure telling a lie. So
1: something is... A miss. A miss. A miss. Something is a foot. Oh. In the state of Denmark. Nope. What's oh. that quote? <laughs> I don't know. I only watched the movie version and wrote a movie report like you did. <laughs> no, I, something is... A something in the state of Denmark, right? A rye? A foot? I don't know. Danish? Something is a Danish <laughs> in the state of Denmark. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> okay. Shakespeare. Um, it turns out someone... Okay. Oh, this is a great fun fact. Yes. So it turns out into evidence okay. was given. That's not proper English. It turns out someone had gotten their photos developed from their dive okay oh and saw pictures of them and there is a photo where this one diver took a photo of another diver and in the background on the ocean floor you can see tina's body (gasps) it is upsetting it is wow creepy it's just you don't even notice it if you're looking at the photo but this person was going through their photos and just spotted it knowing what had happened and was like
2: holy shit oh my god that's this diver that that died so were they able to, like, find the body because of that?
1: Well, they had her body. She oh, was... right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just got excited. I was like, this can mean so much more. And I, I was mean, like, it's already happened. It's a crucial piece of evidence because it shows exactly because yeah. they don't have, they didn't have any evidence to be like, oh, this is where, like, he, he could have said, oh, this is where she landed. and Right. Now they could see, like, where she, her body totally ended up, like, physically exactly where it was. So now they have a more sinister theory about this dive computer, which is, again, that uh, he put distance between the two of them and the rest of the group. And that was maybe his intention. And in the inquest, a total of 75 people testified who were there, who were around the dive site Got it. when it happened. Uh, One diver, a doctor from the U.S., gave an interesting testimony saying he had seen Tina and Gabe in what he described as an embrace underwater during their dive and they now believe that this pointed to foul play so the diver testified that she sunk to the bottom after this embrace uh, a look of panic on her face and the police believed that what happened was gabe hugged his wife under the water and then turned off her oxygen <gasps> in the process of this embrace leading her to flail potentially knock off his mask like he do said do you think
2: doing doing it on purpose
1: well, yeah, he would okay. have to unscrew that tank.
2: Okay, I don't know if like there was like a hug so strong. Oh no, no, no. He uh, he would have got it. Definitely embraced her, turned the valve on her oxygen. I know if like when their when his arm went around her, it might have like knocked it. No, no, okay. like just
1: turned off the whole tank, and then they believed she had passed out of oxygen, passed out of oxygen d- deprivation, and then another diver had actually testified to seeing him closer to the bottom with her. And they believe that what could have happened is that she could have passed out from deprivation of oxygen, and then he could have headed down while she was sinking to turn the oxygen back on once she had already fallen unconscious. Because obviously, if they find her with the tank off, like right, so he did that. Um, so that's kind of what they're thinking at this point. That's like their running theory. So after six years now, the Australian authorities determined that Gabe Watson should stand trial for the death of Tina Watson. Uh, they believe they have enough for a case. Uh, soon after, he was indicted for murder, and he was ordered to be in court in Australia in February 2009. But guess what? He's probably at another bubble wrap convention because he doesn't fucking show. Oh. Then in May... Hard at b- work. hard. At, I mean, you got to understand that he's a busy it's a tough, man.
2: It's a tough business out tough there. Tough gig. Doggy dog world. <laughs> Doggy dog world. Uh, in May
1: 2009, a call came in from a prosecutor in Australia to tell... Uh, tommy tina's dad that gabe actually showed up in brisbane and was put in jail and tommy realized now that that means he must have cut a deal because why else would he turn himself right. in so the authorities called tommy again soon saying that they had accepted uh, the charge of manslaughter so he pled down in manslaughter mm. um tommy was obviously furious because he's like this man murdered my daughter right but the deal was done uh, Gabe was given four and a half years of a suspended sentence, but considering time served, he'd only serve 11 months in jail in Australia Wow! and then be released when he did return to the U S he was indicted for Tina's murder, but his case wound up being dismissed. Um, so even though double jeopardy didn't apply because it was two different countries, uh, and they even tried him for kidnapping because, um, they charged him with kidnapping because in Alabama, it counts as kidnapping even the example they give is like hey let's go to uh Birmingham for Christmas shopping and you're like okay let's go and you get in my car and we go but my plan is to murder you there
3: Uh-oh. then
1: that counts as kidnapping if I have sinister even if you come it. willingly it counts as kidnapping it because you didn't know what you were signing yourself up yeah for. and I had sinister plans for basically to end your life so they try to charge him with this um but to everyone's shock uh When Gabe's defense attorney requests that the charges be dropped due to lack of evidence, the judge concurred and the charge was dismissed. Wow. So basically, he just didn't even stand trial for it in the U.S. So naturally, the question at this point was, why the fuck did he do this? Well, remember the insurance policy. So he believed she had changed it so that he was the beneficiary because her dad just said oh tell him like yeah sure it's taken care of and we'll just do it when you get back right so he potentially according to tina's father believed that he was the beneficiary on this policy um moreover he had also bought a hefty travel insurance policy when they went to australia but the policy as it turns out didn't cover scuba diving so he did not do his homework Mm. and he sued the company when they didn't pay out uh, but that didn't work, and he eventually just dropped it. Oh, okay. Um, but then again, I'm going to now do the kind of devil's advocate. Uh, because when you're first, first reading about this or watching a TV show or the Dateline or whatever, you're like, holy fuck, of course this guy fucking did it. Yeah. So I did kind of look into, like, other theories and possibilities. Um, the payout, again, of this insurance policy was only $134,000. So it is kind of hard to believe that he went through years of dating, the marriage, the trip, etc. Right. the diving that. just to like reap one hundred, potentially Th- yeah. reap one hundred thirty-four thousand dollars. So that's one thing. Uh, one prevailing theory is that Gabe himself, although a rescue driver, driver, rescue <laughs> diver, was simply just not able to save his wife and made a stupid, stupid fucking decision in the heat of the moment. And wasn't able to save her. Um, right. And the other thing about this rescue diver, it turns out the course he took was only a two-day course. So oh. So although he learned, like, never leave your buddy and all that. It's only two days. Two-day course is really not as thorough as... If you the, don't use it, you lose it. Right. And the other divers who had done this 25 years were like, of course you know this, but, like, you know, if he was... I mean, and If he, he took a crash course, he'd, yeah. like, it wasn't
2: instilled in him.
1: Right. Exactly. And he had done 55 dives but not anything at this extreme level got it um and then actually a key diving expert who was in the original investigation and like was utilized heavily um he basically went uh, during the investigation he maintained that a diver with watson's training should have been able to bring tina up but then he later retracted much of his testimony after being provided with Tina and Gabe's diver log certificates and medical histories. He claimed that Gabe should not have been allowed in the water and never as a dive buddy for his wife who had no open water scuba experience. Again, she had had heart surgery to correct an irregular heartbeat two years earlier, but on her dive application said she had never had any heart problems or Mm. any surgeries to speak of. Not only did she have a heart problem, she had literally had heart surgery. Um, so a, another leading expert in dive medicine named Professor Mike Bennett also said, stated that Tina was unfit to dive without clearance from a cardiologist. And although Gabe had received this rescue certification, which is usually a four-day course, um, he had only done it in two days and had no rescue experience and little open water experience. So. All, all in all
2: of that, it was not
1: suggest yeah. <laughs> recipe for disaster. According to McKenzie, he had no hope of being competent. He could barely save himself that day, let alone his wife. I don't now believe he intended to kill her. So this is like these experts who originally testified against him and now are saying, I'm not sure that I actually believe knowing all the knowing what I know now. I don't know that I actually believe he did it. Um, revelations that Watson needed help to don his diving equipment that day underscored that he was a quote dangerous amateur who showed a complete lack of courage when he abandoned his wife. Yikes. The dive company had offered an orientation and guided dive like I said but they both refused the help or the orientation and the company head Mike Ball said the people his people took them at their word saying they were experienced and uh They actually pleaded guilty to contravening safety standards. Wow. uh, And were actually fined uh, several thousand dollars for that. But so that being said, it's kind of like I can see. And also the currents were really heavy that day. And I was also reading on Reddit that like from divers who are kind of commenting back and forth whether he's guilty or not. Nobody really knows. But somebody said, you know, diving equipment, you're wearing 20 pounds. And in a current like as much as 10 feet could be done in two fin kicks. Like, if you're panicked, if she's panicking, yeah, and he's panicking, because he's not as experienced as or he is. Or both of them is, are panicking. They're both panicking. You know, he made a stupid decision. I mean, like, some people say cowardly, because really, like, leaving her behind. Um, and so that's that's kind of one point in his favor. Um, and also, she did aspirate. Like, she did uh, drown. Mm-hmm. But one theory, too, is that she was using so much oxygen panicking and breathing right, right. that she just uh, was i guess there's a way that if you're breathing too fast like you need to really regulate your breathing and if you breathe too fast with scuba equipment on you can choke on water you can breathe water in and so they think maybe she just panicked so much that and then went unconscious
2: got it it's just very there's a lot of yeah a lot of options a lot of
1: factors um so all that being said though like what's up with the watch what's up with um the christmas card the flowers being stolen from the grave like yikes there's just a lot so you could kind of go back and forth um over and over again and it's really not totally clear but overall something's off with this guy and he really fucked up one way or another even if it was an accident right he fucked up um and they both fucked up like going on this he fucked up letting his wife on this tour where he's like no we'll be fine and she's not even remotely experienced Yeah. It's just really sad. So uh, in 2006, uh, Gabe began dating an Alabama school teacher named Kim Lewis. They married in 2008. Uh, A lot of media kind of uh, went all around, hovered all around that because she looks, like, identical to Tina. Yeah. And it is actually a little creepy how similar they look. Really? But at the same time, it's like, whatever, he has a type, you can't really...
2: It's nothing yeah, I guess criminal. you Can't say anything about it. <laughs> it's
1: he like keeps nothing criminal about it. You can it. think it. You, you just can't can. say it. <laughs> you can think it, but it's a little and you know, a little odd. Um, but for now, he's just kind of living his life. Uh, I think he is not. A, he's curfewed. Like there's certain things that he's still, uh, you know, being monitored for and that kind of thing. He's trying to stay out of the public eye and uh, live his life. But uh, obviously, Tina's family is still grieving, and it's just a very very traumatic yeah experience for everybody involved for sure um so i highly recommend the dateline episode on this very thorough very interesting and the case file episode as well uh and so that's that wow and, yeah i could not find gabe's birthday okay so i have a scorpio scope a geoscope instead oh baby geo oh, yeah
2: <laughs> if it's a scorpio scope we should just call it a geoscope <laughs> a I geoscope right, right right right
1: a happy baby All right, here's your geoscope. Here, Geo. You want to know what's going on? Yes, he does. Your beliefs about a certain close relationship (gasps) may undergo a transformation today. (gasps) If you have had certain fantasies and ideas that are not based on the truth of the situation then you may be in for a rude awakening.
2: They were all true, Gio. Don't worry. (laughs) I also dreamed of feeding you fistfuls of peanut butter. There's no rude awakening in either of your lives. Just open your eyes and and we're all all here enjoying the same thing. (laughs) Fantasy is reality. (laughs) If you can let things
1: be as they are, you could be in for a pleasant surprise. Gio! That's right. Get your blood flowing with some aerobic exercise. No, sir peanut butter and the couch only (laughs) and try to understand what you are feeling yourself before you try to communicate it to someone else I think the aerobic exercise I felt a little threatened by that because I'm the one who has to give him that said exercise (laughs) I'm like what are you trying to tell me yeah it sounds like a (laughs) astrostyle.com I actually don't know where I got this but yeah uh aerobic exercise we can just cross that part out yeah unless we're in like a doggy pool or something listen no fucking horoscope should ever tell anyone to do exercise
2: what a terrible rude! <laughs> imagine thing to if say. a horoscope is like mm, put the cookie down yeah
1: <laughs> you know you want to go get away from me it's rude get some aerobic exercise do your cardio anyway. also i
2: haven't have I, I haven't seen you since thanksgiving
1: since before thanksgiving
2: how was your thanksgiving
1: Oh it was great. We had a Friendsgiving. But uh, I did not attend. I know. Yeah, you weren't there. It was great though <laughs>
2: without me. That's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean beca- because of it. I know that yeah. I know. Okay, got I it. I hear it. It was great. A lot of cooking. It was on my feet for 16 hours apparently. My sciatica really acted up. <laughs> Wow. Poor plays all night. I was like, oh, my sciatica. He's like, <laughs> Jesus, I married a grandmother. Your turkey looked really good. Thank you. Herbie was great. I followed I followed it on on your Instagram story. On the yeah. gram. Herbie, uh, Herbie, I bought him all free pasture, free range, you know, because I didn't want to.
2: I wanted sure. to make sure
1: he had a good life before we ate him.
2: Well, okay, good. <laughs> how, I, was, how was Seattle? Good. It was a blast. It always is. Um, my mom showed up this time. <laughs> and... um. It was it was good, good, yeah. We I got to my favorite thing there is my grandpa who passed. Um, it was my, the aunt that I go visit. It was her dad, and so I get to always ask her questions oh, and that's hear cool. stories. Because they, my dad doesn't or my mom doesn't so much talk about her dad. They're sisters. My mom, right, like. right. Um, my mom doesn't talk too much about her dad, although I always wish she would talk more about him. But I don't think that's what she's about. But mm. my aunt really like they're still. They really very much include him in the family. They bring up him. They bring him up all the time and always have anecdotes about him. And even though like some of my cousins never actually met him because he passed away before they were born, they feel like they know him. Like, they really kept him like involved in their family. Is your mom like comfortable when the stories are told, or is it? Just... I think so. I just don't think she. I don't know. I guess she's just either she moved on and doesn't really feel the need to reflect or Mm -hmm. she never mourned properly and like Mm -hmm. doesn't talk about it i don't really know what happened but if i ever bring it up she it's not that she gives me short answers or anything it's just she prioritizes differently Mm -hmm. i guess i'm Mm -hmm. not really sure but they on my mom's sister though they regularly talk about him, and also um they were they're half sisters oh right and so my aunt's mom ta- talks a lot about him so i think that's one of the reasons why my aunt talks about makes him sense, a lot makes sense um i think because they when they're st- together they both you know still think like about a him. close right yeah, part of the and family. meanwhile my mom does my mom's mom doesn't talk about him because they got divorced in the like 70s so. right right Right. okay um so i think my aunt just grew up talking about him more but um it was fun to they found his wallet while i was there so i got to look in my grandpa's wallet oh, i love and this. there was a bunch of baby pictures of me and um my picture was right between uh-huh, his uh-huh. Um, silver and sexy Hooters card uh-huh, uh-huh. and his <laughs> membership card to the adult video store. So <laughs> And then little M, right? And in then the I was, and I was, and also I was a little naked baby. So I have some questions. Oh, for God's sakes. At least I was one of the top three priorities he had. Grandpa. That's Grandpa. <laughs> Silly grandpa. Dirty P- old man. Porn, boobs, and baby grin. I'm 25% Sorry. dirty old man, but that's uh, fine. Um, aren't we all? But you know what? I was honored to be in his wallet. Precious. So. Very Precious. Nice.
1: That's kind of a cool like little glimpse into history though.
2: Yeah. And possibly my future. I don't know. I like I like Hooters wings. Why i not? don't have a silver and sexy card not yet not yet not with that attitude no. <laughs> just give it just give it a couple gray hairs and i'll see you later you Hooters. Mean you didn't pocket that thing <laughs> you should have pocketed that thing i should have i mean like it's vintage put it to some good use three generations have passed since this card. that's right put a little uh touch of gray up there and uh yeah. bada bing bada boom get you some chicken wings oh i really do love Hooters chicken wings though so. i that's anyway. what they all say <laughs> uh, all right it's true anyway um yes. yes i had a great time with my family you had Lovely. a great time with friends i did and um and then now now we're not now it's been so long i don't know when i'm gonna record with you again well many times this week i was gonna say <laughs> uh, in like two days then um, then i'll be sick of you don't yeah. get too nostalgic we'll have to um in one of our episodes cover like what we foresee in 2019 oh yeah we can do that yeah we have a
1: couple episodes left yeah 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 all right, guys, we're almost done with 2018, but not yet. So you got to bear
2: with us. Uh, we in two episodes from now will be our hundredth episode. <laughs> Get ready. Very Get ready. excited. Um, so we got some stuff planned. Yes. I do. I yes. don't know about you. Um, Working on it. And uh, that's all I have.
1: Yep. If you can, if you want, you can find us at ATW podcast on social media and on Patreon, uh, you can email us listener stories at and that's why you drink at gmail.com. We have one of those coming for you the first of 2019.
2: Um, also, what else? So happy early Christmas. Happy holidays in general. Happy late Hanukkah and early Christmas. Yes. Somewhere <laughs> in there.
1: Just happy December, guys. Just happy cold. Happy being cold. Yes. Nope. Nobody's that. Um. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And that's why we drink. Beep.